Hey everybody, welcome to Mouths of the Merrimack. I'm Captain Chris, here with Dan Daddy. What's going on, Dan? Welcome over tonight. How's oh, everything yeah, going? Just another beautiful week. The winter chill came in this week. A little bit of uh, freezing action going on out there. Yeah, I saw snow for the first time today and I am not happy about it. Uh, it's kind of depressing. Kind of crazy how seven days ago we were out in snow wagon chasing tuna fish everywhere and now we're like but getting ready to build snowmen and do the Santa Parade. Yeah, not only that, I was, it was 75 degrees last Saturday. I was out in the river having a good time on my boat, and now uh, thinking about finally winterizing it. Right? Oh, it's about that time. I'm lucky I got mine all done, so usually I do it this week, like uh, yeah. on the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, but I'm actually kind of happy I got it done early and don't have to do it out in the cold because that's never fun. Yeah, it's definitely nice when you can get it done before that cold weather creeps in and you don't have to worry about it and just get it out of the way. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Somebody who's not worrying about it being cold is our guest tonight who came all the way up from, you know, he fishes Rhode Island currently right now this time of year, and he's got some charters coming up this weekend. Our good friend, Mr. Captain Daniel Smith. Welcome, Hey, Dan. guys. Thanks for having me tonight. All right. I'm, I'm yeah, excited. Great to have you here. So you're, yeah, your, your charter season's a lot different than it is up here. You know, you're, how long are you going to be fishing for? So on a normal year, I would be fishing until probably mid-December. Uh, this year, I ended up buying a new boat back in September. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Chris had the pleasure of fishing on it with me for my first trips. Yeah, we talked about it in some of our podcasts the last couple of weeks. Um, we talked about the trip. I didn't talk about it too, too much because I knew we were going to get you up here uh, eventually to, to talk about your whole shindig. And uh, so I'll leave it to you with that when we get going a little bit. So... But yeah. it was awesome. It was a great platform for the way you guys fish down there. Yeah, so, so there's like some history behind this boat, though, right? Yeah. So this boat, um, to put it, put to put it point blank, um, I caught my first saltwater fish ever on this boat. It was this particular boat, right? This Not the exact same model boat. Of boat? Okay. No, this exact boat. Approximately 20 years ago, uh, caught my first saltwater fish ever under the Mount Hope Bridge, which is right there on the Rhode Island, Massachusetts line. Mm -hmm. It was a black sea bass that was about nine mm -hmm. inches or so. So, I mean, nothing to write home about, but that particular fish on that boat led to a long list of just growing from there. Which even now I love I love the black sea bass fishery that we get in Buzzards Bay, which is one of the main fisheries that I do in the springtime. And then we also get the black bass or the blackfish rather, also known as Tatog, depending upon where you're from. That's mostly in Rhode Island. Those two fish make up the majority of my season. I fill my summer with fluke and sea bass all throughout Buzzards Bay, Mount Hope Bay. Uh, Narragansett Bay, Rhode Island Sound, all of that. So you're really digging the bottom fishing. That's your that's your thing. That's my meat and potatoes, man. That's my meat and potatoes. And it's such a great fishery down there for those kinds of things. And Definitely. Your location is great because you get a lot of people from out of Rhode Island. You know, you get a lot of those guys from New York, New Jersey, making that travel to go put some Absolutely. of this meat in the cooler. Absolutely. And we also get quite a few people from up this way um, that come down. There's one guy in particular, he comes down in the springtime for Porgy, um, also known as Scup down near us, mm -hmm. and he relates it to white perch. So when the ice season ends and his freezer's not full, he comes down and sees me and we fill the freezer with Porgy. When we were talking earlier today, when you got when you first got to my house, um, you had said you called up your mate, you were talking about Porgy fishing. And yeah. just to kind of go back to you talking about when you were a kid, seven years old, and catching your first black sea bass, like... 
What a great fishery to bring kids on. Those yes. porgies, huh? Yes, 100%. 100%. Tiny but tough little buggers, right? Well, they're not not necessarily tiny, um, depending upon the time of year. Yeah. So we get two to three pounders as an average in the oh, springtime. Wow. So I mean, they're fish. they're good sized fish. I mean, sixteen inches is not an abnormal fish down there. What's um, the size limit? Nine. Uh, of course, you had to ask. You had to ask me that. It's ten inches this year. It's been nine years or nine inches in the past. Yeah. So that was one of the changes that they implemented this year was a ten inch change. So did that did that affect your take at all? No. 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 It was. It's always been, especially in the spring. It's always been one of those fisheries that you look at it and you go, "Yep, I can grab flays," or "Nope, it's going back." Yeah, because yeah. so, I, I just like thinking about the striped bass fishery, you know, the 28 to 35, the, the slot limit. Mm-hmm. Like There have been days where it's like you catch a million 27-inch fish, and then you're catching 38-inch fish. And it's like, wow, I can't just catch one to keep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they really picked that one up pretty yeah. good, right? Yeah, no, that, yeah, unfortunate, or fortunately enough, I don't have to deal with that too much. Um, it, it doesn't, it, the sizes for us are still practical, um, and they don't, they don't interfere with the take cool so so that so like if you're going out that would be like a great kids trip i would think like market yeah. that like hey come take your kids and catch a billion fish you absolutely know? absolutely something easy yep Way something easy and it's usually it's a short trip it's a half day trip so um next year on the on the new boat because the new boat is a little bit slower than my old boat um it's probably gonna end up either being a five or six hour trip there you go so i'll do two a day one in the morning, one in the afternoon. If you have kids, you definitely want to book in the morning just so that we're not getting that south uh, southwest blow. Yeah. That, you know what? It's funny. I tell my clients that, too. A lot of times, you know, people call me and they'll say, oh, I have a couple, like, 10-year-old kids. What do you suggest? And I'm like, listen, get them up in the morning because the afternoon's most likely going to be a little bit windier, a little bit wetter, a little bit bumpier. So, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. Get, get their asses out of bed. They're young enough. That's the truth. See you at five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I get to sleep in bottom fishing. That's the best. That that's one of the best things. Yeah, it's, you don't have to be out at the crack of dawn. No. Nope, right? What nope. time do you normally leave for your charters? I mean, this time of year, obviously the the sun's coming up a little bit later, so you get some leeway. So, so. you're so you're gonna you're gonna want to jump me from here. Um, Seven a.m. Seven, you loser. <laughs> <laughs> Seven a.m. That's that's year round. That's literally all my trips. That's when I start. Yeah. So it's um it's one of those things like yeah this time of year I could leave a little bit earlier yeah um, just so I'm working in the daylight in the afternoon but it really doesn't matter it's not we're, we're not a real light driven fishery mm-hmm. so for us. As long as the sun is up, we're yeah. going to catch. Absolutely. And especially That's, like October, November, at least you get a little bit more warmth, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, to to add to that point, for us, it gives us no benefit going out, really, at first light. Because most of the fish that we target don't, don't fish or don't catch during low light situations. They're not woken up yet. Yeah. it's they, They're not on the feed. Yeah. Um, to togger a great example of that. They can be caught at night. They have been caught at night, but you're going to catch one. Yeah. You're not going to catch 5,000 of them. It's not, it's not the way to target them. For right. Sure. It's not the way. Yeah. But you guys do have night game. Do you ever do any squid fishing down there? So funny you mentioned that. I'm doing squid. I'm going to do some squid on Friday night. I've got a group coming down um, that they're looking to do some squid. They're coming down on sunday well they're going to be fishing with me for to tog on sunday yeah but they asked me if i would do a night trip normally i don't do night trips but they're 
they're special. So they uh, they asked me if I'd take them out, and I said, yeah, we're not going to go real far because the fishery is literally right off the end of my dock. But, um, yeah, if you want to go from a boat platform instead of a shore platform, I get it. The presentation on the jigs is completely different. Yeah, that's I've squid fish before. I don't think I've ever done it at night. I've done it down in the day during the Cape. Usually that's what we do to get a mm. bait early in the year. And it's, it's wicked fun. we got to go this year. I yeah, think that hyenas bite. past few years we've been saying we're going to do it. Yeah, I think something, I don't know, I think something happened. We were just too busy or I had too many charters in like April and May to get down there. So, mm-hmm. or the weather was bad, but mm. we were talking about it, but we never made it down there. Yeah. Yeah, Collier's Ledge down there at uh, yeah. down in Hyannis. Yeah, so I mean, find the fleet, right? Absolutely, find the fleet. Absolutely down Just there. Just don't don't cut any squid. Don't cut any while you're there. Well, don't cut any while you're yeah, there. Yeah, don't don't cut any up there because you'll catch hubcap porgies. Like, oh yeah, they got some huge ones, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, the scup that I'm targeting over in Buzzards Bay are right there, right next to the squid. And once you cut up a squid, forget it. It's game over. Yeah. It's funny because um, I remember a couple of years ago I went down with my buddy Kyle, and if anybody finds an anchor down there, you know that's Kyle's anchor. The shackle <laughs> fell off. <laughs> Dan, I wish you were there that day. We would have laughed our asses off. <laughs> and uh, so, anyways, and then Fallon lives down there. Uh, he's got the house down at the Cape that he mm. fishes out of, and he went down like a couple, uh, probably about a week later, and he said the squid fishing him was tough, but he goes, dude, like. I've never caught so many huge pogies in my life. Mm. Porgies. 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 Oh, here we go. I'm already all right, all right. Ready? Ready? So, so let me break it down. You I'm, can break it down I'm, for the I'm, people. I'm, I'm just going to break it down for you. So pogies are bait. Porgies are food. That's the difference. Porgies are also known as scup. Pogies are also known as bunker. You know, there's that whole Mason-Dixon line thing yeah, that happens. Yeah, right down there at, like, uh, the New London area of connecticut it's like everybody to the west and south it's of like that is, that's like are you a yankees fan or a red sox fan yeah. are you a porgy guy or a scuff guy exactly exactly and if you're from boston and you're a red sox fan then you probably know them as tatog and scup and if you're a yankees fan or from that country um <laughs> yeah then it's blackfish and porgy when we did the Tog class like about a month ago now geez that was a month ago so Mm. The guys you had in your boat were two of your clients that I got yes. to meet. And yeah, Bobby and Anthony. Bobby and Anthony. Boy, they were great. They were really <laughs> funny. But, like, Dan, the whole day, we were saying, Porgy and Pogi. Like, me and Dan would be talking about Pogi fishing up north. <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, you get por- Porgies up there? I'm like, no, 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 the Pogies. What's a Pogie? A bunker. Bunker. <laughs> that, was, that was, like, 90% of our conversation that day. Absolutely. No, they, they're great people. They're honestly... I, I love my customers. They're they're great. Um, most of them sit there and they just wanna they wanna fill the box. Well, that's, that's definitely a bottom fishing mentality. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm I'm conservative about it. Like I have no problem educating people about you know the fact of the female blackfish. They're a slow growing fish to begin with, but the females, particularly when they get to be over 21 inches, the amount of eggs that they release in the spring is just astronomical. It's really that fish is more valuable to us alive than it is dead i'm not the guy that's going to say let's kill it Mm -hmm. if it's bleeding and i mean strongly bleeding then yeah if it's not going to make it then i'm not going to waste it but if it's healthy to release it's going back males on the other hand at that size their genes are already passed on 10 times over if a customer wants to keep that large fish it's legal it's all within their right so 
I remember when we were at the tournament, and I have fished with you doing this before, and a few other guys down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys self-regulate that fishery because technically the law is anything over 16 inches, correct? Correct. So they did. So just to clarify, there's um, at this time of the year, there's five fish per person that goes up in mid-October from three. Okay. We implemented as a charter boat fleet. Um, we all voted for this this past winter. We self put it in. We we submitted it. We voted for it. We all wanted it, um, but we made it so that only one fish could be over 21 inches. Okay. And that's really to stop the party boats that were coming in from out of state, from New York and New Jersey, that were coming up to our fishery. Yep. And they were exploiting our fishery by allowing their customers to keep five giant fish. You know, because it, it fit within their regulations. Correct. Landing it. Correct. correct. Because well, no, it, it fit within the regulations even in oh, Rhode yeah, Island. That you guys had because yeah. we we had to implement that. Correct. So with that, we implemented that to protect the fishery because we're getting to a point where it's being notarized as a world class fishery and being dubbed as a world class fishery. We are actively competing with New Jersey for IGFA records. Um, you know, line class records. We will break some this year. Um, as long as the bite stays steady like it has been, there will be some IGFA records that will be challenged this winter and this fall from Rhode Island. Is that this like winter, fall, this time of year? Is that when the pigs are coming in? Mm, yeah, you, so, so the bigger fish, you typically will see the bigger fish after October 15th when the water temp gets below 58 degrees. Okay. From 58 degrees down to about 48 is when the big fish hit. Once you get below 50 degrees, though, that bite falls apart, becomes very erratic, mm-hmm. um, very hard to pattern, and also shifts out to significantly deeper water. Mm-hmm. That being said, it's it's not really targetable. It is, but it's not at the same time. Yeah, We do it. There's guys who do it regularly. But when you say deeper water, like how deep are you talking here? Like 100, 100? 100 to 120. Yeah. Um, which for, for Tatog is that that's deep. Yeah. Because um, generally we were fishing anywhere between 40 and 30 and 60. I would yeah, say. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's basically from September 1st up until right around Thanksgiving. I'm usually fishing less than 60. Mm-hmm. Um, most days, less than 60. There's a handful of days that. I'll go and I'll step out and just kind of like, kind of put my feelers out to sea, but most times the bigger fish are out in the deeper, but there's not enough of them there to really be targetable. Um, you're fishing for one or two fish, one or two bites, and then you move spots. Yeah. I'm conventional. I hang an anchor. Yeah. Um, I don't have spot lock like 90% of the other boats down there. Well, you get the big boat that you just got. So yeah, so we'll get you. We'll get you there. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm. I'm. It's on the list for this winter. Um, it's probably going to be a Rowadan, um, which yeah. I know that hurts your soul a little bit because you're a Minn Kota guy. We can't be friends anymore, Dan. But, it's in the contract of friendship here. I know, <laughs> I know. But um, yeah, they the shaft height and the strength they just don't have it. What's What's the biggest Rodan? Eighty seven? No, one oh two. Yeah, so that's the difference for your boat because oh, I think yeah. Nakota's biggest is eighty seven. Right now, yeah, it's yeah, yeah it's like eighty seven. I know they have one higher in the works, but it does me no good if it's not released. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, um, 
I was just gonna say Kyle's trolling motor and his his boat that we went on the other day. Yeah, we uh, when he dropped the boat off at my house the night before, he took the trolling motor off because we were tuna fishing. He's yeah. running out of the way. He picks it up and he's like, "What the hell?" And he shakes it and there was all water in the head. Oh, he's like, oh Jesus, that's not good. Yeah, yeah. See that that's the other thing. I mean, I look. I I got you know what? We just went like twenty minutes talking, and our first question was, "Tell us about the boat." that you bought and it started with oh it was the first time I ever caught a fish and then we went on the fish <laughs> so tell us more about yeah. your boat Squirrel. because yeah, Dan one yeah. of, well I saw it on the Facebook yes. and uh, it's a pretty big boat yeah so you so do you taking six people out I am yeah. yep. so nice. I take six people um, Chris can tell you does six people feel cramped no not at all not for that type of bottom yeah, fishing yeah it seems like it's nice and open yeah, yeah it's it's honestly I, I can sit there and dance on the back deck like once I so there's a handful of things that are on the winter project list. One of them is fixing the in deck fish well mm-hmm. so that I can eliminate some coolers from the deck. That's really going to open my deck oh, like wide open. Hundred percent from when I was on there. Yeah, and being able to take those two like one twenty quart two coolers you got off. Yeah, and use the in deck would be huge. Absolutely, and so like right behind where my seats are, I'm gonna, first of all, what type of boat is it again? Oh, sorry. So it's a two eighty. Um, well, so that it's a Baja Cruiser two eighty. It's a custom 280. There was only one or two built this way. Um, it technically is a weekender by package. Is that the brand? Like the so that, model? that's the model. Okay. Um, so it's technically by the model a 280 weekender, but by packaging it's a 280 fisherman. Okay. So it has the rod locker, it has the live well, it has the fish locker, it has the flush deck, it has. Um, the extended uh, or the the shortened pilot house. Mm-hmm. So on the true weekender, Chris, the the pilot house actually comes back about another foot and a half. Yeah, and that's huge. Yeah, that's that's, that's a lot. Three of feet of rail space. That's two people fishing on each side for the way you yeah. guys do it. Exactly, exactly. So the fact that that's pushed forward, it's just it's unbelievable. And I mean that fish locker that is down in the deck. <laughs> it's huge. Um, probably 200 quart coolers easily fit inside of it wow. so and then underneath it is actually where my generator pad would be if i wanted to put a generator which i'm not going to put a generator what i'm going to do is instead i'm going to uh take that fish locker and i'm gonna uh refiberglass it but i'm gonna encase in, in foam in it mm-hmm. so that way it really holds the ice a lot better because yeah, it's, so it's not insulated fish box exactly because yeah. it wasn't originally insulated let me know how that works out and then you're going to come up here and show me how to do it in my fish box in my boat okay <laughs> not a problem your fish box is insulated my one in the front is like my actual yeah. fish box in my boat but that i i did last year not well, two years ago i put my life jackets in my saddle sides yeah. and use that for a fish box but the problem was the life jackets were like if we ever really need to need them it would have been a little tough to get them out yeah so i put them back in the front and now i just use my yeti for or my angle for uh for my fish mm-hmm. and now those side things i don't use at all because it wasn't isolated right I mean, they were great to put fish in yeah but if i threw ice in there they were, it was gone in like an hour yeah you know so that's one thing when if i go to build another pair i think they make one with a macerator and insulation mm. so i might spring for the money for that just to clear up another cooler spot right boat, so yeah the forward fish box works amazing oh yeah it's, yeah it's, i put ice in there one day and i was like i 
I didn't even know it was insulated at first. <laughs> and then, like, three days later, I opened it up, and there was still ice in it. I'm like, damn. Hmm. You're right. Yeah, that, that This is awesome. That front box is great. And then you could even throw a coffin box on it. Like, uh, mm-hmm. um, Actually, I want to talk to you about the coffin box. Cause, so we went tuna fishing two weeks ago with Kyle when this first got his boat and he had the coffin box in the front of the bow you know like the florida style badass looking thing and we thought it was the coolest Mm. thing but going back this last weekend i found it wicked annoying i found it really in the way you know the boat was crowded Mm. yeah i feel like if it wasn't you know like for chartering yeah you probably you're probably not going to want it yeah i I felt it felt tight i don't know the fishing it was just different like we were running gunning running and gunning for tuna you know, by the, everyone wants mm. to be up at the front. You know, you want to get in the school. You want to throw the bait in there. When you're drifting and fishing for like bass, it probably would be fine. You know, it's going to be totally fine because everyone's on one side of the boat. Everything you know, there's a there's a bench there to sit on. I just think that it's definitely de- it's what kind of fishing you're doing yeah. that makes it annoying or awesome. Yeah. But for the fishing that we do up here, I think it would be pretty awesome. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Probably looking back at it, um, mm-hmm. like for what I do, you know, drifting, trolling, stuff like that, anchored up. Probably, not, probably not a big deal. Yeah. But I just know, like, snacks is fat ass was in my way, <laughs> trying to go over that and throw a cast. So he'll be on tomorrow's podcast, which will release nice. next week. <laughs> I had one, one golden opportunity to throw, and I go to throw throw my line out there, and. I just realized that my bait is like two inches from Snack's face, and I'm like, "Are you kidding me right now?" <laughs> send it, man. Yeah. Send it right through. <laughs> I would have sent it right through his friggin' chin. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine how that would go. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you one thing: that trip last week it made me want to tower even more because I finally I I drove for a little bit. I was the guy driving to the pod to tuna. Wait till I put a tuna on my or a tower on mine. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my is God. that on the winter project list? Not this year. It is. Yeah. What, so once I repower, um, right now it's got twin 302 Fords, old V8s, um, low hours. I actually, um, they were rebuilt right before my dad's best friend sold the boat, mm-hmm. um, which I did not buy it from him. I bought it third generation after that. Okay. So I've followed this boat for 12 years. Not to get, not to like backtrack no but this is um, the first question that we asked yeah. 20 minutes ago so yeah, yeah so yeah no so <laughs> so i've followed this boat for the last like 12 years or All so right. so did the boat ever leave rhode island though or have you actually seen it on the water the past 12 years no so um all right so my dad's best friend had it until the 2009 uh, 2008 2009 crash he traded it for a tractor with the neighbor of the yacht club. Financial crash, not a boat crash. Correct. Correct. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so yeah, anybody yeah. Who wants to book a charter with Dan, this boat did not crash. No, but it was <laughs> struck by lightning twice. Oh Jesus Christ! Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it's alive. It survived. <laughs> um, it's actually in great shape. It is. But um, anyway, so uh, when it got traded for the tractor, it then sat up on the hard for about six years seven years and then about four years ago it was sold to that guy's nephew he put it back in the water did a couple modifications that were just wrong completely wrong but anyway he decided that it was too big of a boat for him he didn't want it so he sold it to the guy that i bought it from the guy i bought it from had it in uh and i'm probably gonna butcher the name but noonk connecticut Mm. um i guess it's near mystic all I know is that the guy I bought it from works for uh, Electric Boat, so he builds the subs, which is really cool. But um, anyway, so I bought it from him. He basically redid 
ninety percent of what the previous guy had done mm-hmm. because it just wasn't marine grade. And when I bought it from him, I told him up front I, I chased this boat for two years. He listed it about a year and a half before I actually bought it, and I had just bought my first charter boat at that time, and I was like, ah. I just bought that boat. I can't get rid of it yet. So with that, I messaged him. I had already been talking to him because I'd been keeping in contact with him since he bought it. Mm-hmm. But um, I literally, I, I was a psycho for this boat. Looking back, like looking back, I'm just sitting here going, the day that I re refound it because the guy that owned it before the guy that I bought it from, I know this is kind of confusing. It's like the Targaryen family tree right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he sold it to Jason, um, which is the guy that I bought it from. But I was on my way to buy the boat at that time. I didn't get it then because Jason got it before me, which mm-hmm. is fine. Oh, it, so you were going to buy it a year and a half ago or whatever. So was. I was so I was going to buy it 3 years ago when Jason bought gotcha. it. Gotcha. Okay. It got sold. I got told that it got sold to a guy from upstate New York, a charter boat captain from up there. Now these boats when you look at the forums, there's two things that they say. They say make sure that the stringers haven't been separated from the transom. That's a big one. Uh-huh. Yep. That's a real big one. And they say make sure there's no downriggers on it. Because the second you put downriggers on this boat, it does the first thing. Separates the stringers from the transom. Downriggers? Uh-huh. What? Because the only place that you can mount them is in the corners. The back corners of the transom there, where yeah. that where the side cap and the way the construction was on them. The first time you hang up a downrigger ball, there it goes. Oh, gotcha. Separates it. So, with that... I was like, well, that boat's going to die. So I Because he was upstate New York, salmon fishing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because it was in upstate New York, and I'm like, yep, it's gone. Okay, well, moving on. And then about two weeks goes by, and on my Facebook page, this is where I really decided that I'm just going to, I'm going for it, and that's it. Um, There was a new detailer, new marine detailer that was in the area, I guess. Mm -hmm. I live in southern Massachusetts. This detailer was in... Western Connecticut. Why I saw this post on Facebook? Not a clue. It was a sponsored post. It was for a detailing company. And I'm like, okay. All I saw was the big red bow flare. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, huh. There's only one boat that I know that's that color. So I I, I reached out to him. And I go, hey. Is that a 1989 Baja Cruiser? He goes, yeah. And I go, Hmm. And the name on the back. Was it just Miss? It was originally Miss Megan, just to clarify, but the previous owner had Megan taken off the documentation, thinking that it was the previous owner's wife. It's actually his daughter. Anyway, um, so with that, I go, hmm. So it's a red Baja with the right ear, and it says Miss on the back. Can I have the guy's number? No, that's a breach of confidentiality. Okay, you give him mine. About 20 minutes later, I get a call. Hey, um, I heard you like my boat. And I go, yeah, I do. Um, you want to sell it? He goes, I just bought it. And I go, I know. I tried to buy it before you bought it. He goes, I'll be honest with you. I'm not really interested in selling right now. This was a boat that was going to help me step up. My previous boat was a 21-footer. 
This is not a 21 footer, just to be clear. She's, no, she's she's a big 28. She's a big 28. Is that a 28 waterline or a 28 LOA? So she is a 28 waterline. Yeah, so you're really talking about a 31. Nah, 33. Yeah. Almost yeah. 35 with the platform. Yeah. But um but anyway, so aside from that, I go, "All right. Well, when you're ready to sell, give me a call." He goes, "All right. Well, when I'm ready to sell, spring comes or fall fall comes he's winterizing the boat i go hey jason just just sending you a message just seeing how things are oh yeah no they're good black fishing was good um uh, i'm excited i'm gonna have the boat next spring blah 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 and i'm like okay yeah no worries christmas time hey merry christmas how are you doing i i was that thorn in his side that kept you know every holiday yeah. I, I was looking at the calendar going Ooh, today's National Dog Day. Well, let He's me ask you. He's got a dog. He's Maybe got a dog. Something back. <laughs> hey, happy, happy National Dog Day. This is how picked up his girlfriend, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was brutal. But anyway, anyway, so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, all right, this is definitely going to work. And then in December, I messaged him, and I go, hey, so there's a boat that's for sale that I need to get this charter boat started because the guy that I had been working for decided to close up after three years. He basically said, here's my clients. I'm not I'm not going to be in business anymore. If you start your own business, they're yours. Well, Chris, what would you do? I'd take it. Yeah, take it and run, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I went, well, I need to buy a boat. So I found a boat, and I messaged Jason, and I go, all right, um, I'm going to buy this boat here, but you can't, you can't tell me in a month that you're going to sell this one. And he goes, uh, all right, well, I can't, uh, I, I'm not selling it. And I go, okay, that's fine. No problem. So then I go, it is what it is. I buy the boat. April comes. <laughs> hey, Dan, how's it going? Good. How are you, Jason? Ah, you know, I was talking to the wife, and uh, yeah, it's time to sell the boat. I go, Jason, we just talked about this like three months ago. I didn't want this to happen. And he goes, well... I'll tell you what, you still want it, right? And I go, yes, I want it. He goes, when can when can you realistically pay for it? I go, September. He goes, whoa. And I go, uh-huh. I go, I can try and sell the boat that I just bought, but I just pulled permits on it, so that's going to be extra money. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, no worries. Um, if you sell it, great. If not, I already checked with the wife. We're good with September. Cool. So. So that's crazy. He was actually patient enough to wait until yeah. September for you to purchase the boat, huh? Yeah. So I even with this used boat market the way it is. Yes, and I'll be honest with you, it it was an honest and fair price. Mm -hmm. um, it was an honest and fair price, and I've got negative anything negative to say. I I could not say a single thing bad. Like there's he held the boat for you, of course. He, not <laughs> not only did he hold the boat for me, but when he owned it, he maintained it with an open checkbook. He's the first person that I've ever seen with a used boat that actually maintained it with an open checkbook. When the windlass broke, he replaced it. When the electronics broke, he replaced them. Everything. Like, I got a full set of risers, manifolds, and exhaust elbows for these engines. So he did all the work that you would have had done had you bought it the Correct. year before. Yeah. Yes. Um, I basically, you know, I basically stole the boat. Like... For for what it is, I'm very happy. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, but that being said, 
the boat's not for sale. So anybody who's listening and wants to buy the boat, that one's not for sale. I do, however, have a 21-foot center console with a 2016 Suzuki and a full Simrad package that is available. All you have to do is reach out. <laughs> yeah, actually, that little boat, the Duke. The, the Duke, Duke, yeah. Oh. That, what a little... When we did the uh, tournament a couple, about a month ago, I got the... And when we got back to the dock, he had to clean up the big boat, and mm. he, he wanted to take the little boat out on his charter the next day because he only had like a couple guys, right? Yeah. So I got to take it to the gas dock. By my, actually, I took Chantel. I took his yeah. girlfriend with me, and we went to go get gas. There was no listen, funny business, right? Listen to this, dude. This is <laughs> wild. This is wild, Dan. So we go to get gas, me and Chantel. You know, we're making small talk with the dock guy. I'm like, all right, I gotta take a leak. I like, I walk up to the dock and I go, hey, where's the bathroom? He goes down there to the right, 47 steps. Like, this guy fuck with me. Ken. You know, oh, I'm I love literally. Ken. I'm like, I don't know. This guy seems like he lives here. Yep, Dan, he does. I shit you not. My 47th step, I was nose to nose to the front door of the bathroom. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow. Wow. Oh, that's funny. Wicked funny. Just now, 47 steps over there on the right. <laughs> yeah, okay, bud. Yeah. Thought he was joking. Nope. nope. He was legit. He was legit. Right yep. on it. Ken is a straight shooter. Let me tell you, I've never met anybody who shoots straighter. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So you said you had a winter to-do list for this thing. And you know, yes. The fish box is one. What else are you going to be doing? The list that I'm not doing is shorter. <laughs> um, so it's a boat. So I have a new analogy for boat. Boat does not stand for, br- for bust out another thousand or break out another thousand or however you want to break that, that shit down. Um, so it stands for breaks often and traumatizes <laughs> because it traumatizes your wallet. Um, no, my guys, uh, my guys take really good care of me. Um, so I have a list. It's probably around 100 labor hours. Um, and it's this boat because I plan on having it literally for the next foreseeable future, potentially for the rest of my life. Um, it's one of those boats that it's going to get everything that it needs. I am not a take it one step at a time kind of a guy. I'm a full. Yeah, you want it all done. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a ten steps forward and figure it out later <laughs> kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> so that being said. Um, some other big things that are realistically on my list um i'm putting a full hummingbird package on it because i love the solixes they're for our fishery down in rhode island the definition that we can see on rocks from the side scan just second to none you're gonna go 12 15 so i have a 10 right now um on the duke which that's coming with me um that's not part of the sale um just to clarify but the duke or the hummingbird that's on the duke that's going to the red boat which is the baja um that that whole uh that whole unit's going to be there and then i'm honestly i'm looking at the apex because the 10 inch i'm going to mount to the four foot uh open array radar that i got yeah and then the apex i'm thinking about mounting basically like right in front of me because so is it the 13 uh no i'm probably going up i'm probably going to go to a 15. I have both on my boat. I put the Apex on this year, Mm. and um, the clarity of the screen on the sun's better. Yeah. Um, The speed processing of the chart is much faster. You know what I really like about the Apex is it's more more of a flush mount in the gas, too, if you mount it. It has a cleaner look to it, and you also have the extra inputs 
So on my Solixes on my boat, I had to have like a hub station, mm. like a separate hub station yeah. Yeah. to plug everything into. Then would run to the back of the uh, of the unit. But are you are you mounting these in the pilot house? Are they going? Yeah. on they're going on gimbals, or are they? So um, I I would ideally in a perfect world, I would love to hang them from my ceiling, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I can do that. Part of the reason I don't know if I can do that is because I don't know if Humminbird actually has a swivel base. Well, there's definitely aftermarket parts that would probably work too. Yeah, yeah I can't see. I, I can't see why you wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I think I know a couple people that have it hang. Up yeah, top, but I don't know if it's on a swivel. See, I six. so I have a Garmin on there right now. That that's one of the that's one of the upgrades that the previous owner did. Yeah, um, and I I love the fact that I can look at it from my seat, mm-hmm. and then when I step on the back deck, I just swing it to the left, and I have a square view of it when I'm out on my deck. Yeah. I love that feature. That is just unbelievable. Do you have heat in the pilot house? Uh, kinda. Um, so the engines are directly under your seats. Oh, so yeah, it's, it gets warm in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bum yeah, right yeah, you get a nice little uh, seat warmer. You know, it's uh, it's decent. I'll tell you one thing. I was taking layers off when it was like 35 to 40 degrees out there. Yes. Yeah, it was hot. Like, yeah. It was good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's nice. Um, we were out there last weekend in the rain and my guys fished all through the day and nobody had any issues nobody had any complaints and one of the guys didn't even have rain gear he was like ah you know i'll go out in between the raindrops and it was all passing showers but this time of year when it's raining like if i was on the duke and only had the duke would not have sailed that trip like that trip would have canceled 100 percent because our weather parameters change depending upon the time of the year for us or at least for me um I'm not somebody that's going to go and fish out in torrential downpours all day. Like, that's not fun to me. That's not fun to my customers. Fish can wait. Um, You know, unless there's an extremating circumstance, like you're coming from Europe and you're only here for a week and you're used to the rain and you don't care. Okay, fine. Because I'm not going to get wet. I've got a doghouse on the Duke that covers right over my head. You're going to get soaked on the new boat. Not an issue. I have a full cabin. Well, the full cabin, that was so funny, too, because, like, up here, like, me and Dan, all the guys we fish with, for the most part, are all big center console guys. Mm. So, like, when you're going, you know, down your area, having that cabin is such a huge advantage because you're fishing regularly in April, May, late September, October, November, December. Yes. So you want to get out of the elements. You're probably in colder water weather more so than you're in summer weather. Yeah. Yeah, I get I get about three months worth of summer true summer weather, and then the rest of it, you know, I'm fishing in all kinds of weird weather. So, boats getting launched April first. I don't know what I'm gonna do April first yet. Our fishing season realistically starts May first. I want to have that boat all configured. I mean, I'm doing to give you the short list and like the big bullet points. Um, I'm doing a full rewire doing a full plumbing, doing uh, new cutlass bearings on the shafts, new, I'm gonna balance the shafts, balance the props, and then from there I'm doing the trolling motor, and there's a handful of other small projects. But there, there's there's a lot of labor there. Dan, any big things you're doing on your boat this winter, or spring, anything you're planning on? Uh, no, no, I'm kinda just running it the way it is. I'm, I'm, I might be adding another display, Depends on you know funds when the time comes, but yeah, mm. it would be nice to have events. Because you, se- you have one, right? Yeah, I yeah. only have one. I have one Solix 12, and uh, 
it would be great if it had a twin next to it. Mm. You know, it's always nice. Yeah. I like the redundancy of having two for sure. Yes. A hundred percent. I think the only thing I really gotta do my horn broke. So I gotta Oh put yeah, that's on. on my list too. And I gotta put oh my god. So a couple of years ago I put a uh, a loudspeaker on. Mm. It was the funnest thing I've ever had on the yes, boat. The I love yelling at people. Oh my god, it was <laughs> great. Inhaler, yeah. Oh, you know what, though? Um, I did get a through-haul transducer. That's going to be going in. So. Oh, nice. Mm. Nice. That'll be mm. great. Yeah, because the... Uh, did you get a through-haul or a shoot-through? It's a shoot-through. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get the Hummingbird one or the Yamaha? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, got, so, I right. got the Hummingbird one, man, and I can go 32 miles an hour and mock schools of fish. And that's exactly why I yeah. wanted, you know, being, being under power, it's... The transducer now, the um, the SI, like the one that's back there, Yeah. It uh, it will pick up bottom, but... It's kind of sporadic as to when it, like if there's any chop in the water, it's not going to read the bottom on the Like water. if you're going fast, you're yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. So kind of want that for, to have just be able to read bottom quick and, and higher speeds and uh, have the DI. Well, it's so. nice because mm. like if I'm on a charter before, you know, like sometimes like, you know, you know, this is going to be on the beachfront, but where are they going to be in the beachfront? You're dealing with like seven miles of sand yeah. where they really could be anywhere at any given time. So one of the things I do, I, I used to go like around like 15 knots, like kind of like just on plane, yeah. patrolling, seeing if I mark schools and I come around, turn back on it. Now that I can do that realistically going 28, now like I have no problem running down the beach in like 18 to 20 feet of water zigzagging, trying to mark stuff mm. and then coming back in like 25 to 35 because now that time is cut in half. Right. You know? Right. Whereas before, I might make my way down the island and then be like, all right, this pot back here probably looked best. But now I can make my way down. If I don't see shit, I can move out a little bit deeper. Right. And it's not like you're going to see like this huge school of fish. Right. It's subtle. It's a subtle reading. Yeah, for like, you guys, especially like for us. It's completely different. Yeah, because the massive amounts of schools of fish you have down there. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> so if you can't tell to the listeners at home, Chris is rather upset with our fishery differences. Well, no, it's just crazy. I remember when I went down there one time and fished with the Humminbird guys, uh, like we'd pull up to a rock and my fish finder was just like lit up and mm -hmm. like we threw a dock like for five minutes and like, all right, these fish aren't chewing. I'm like, oh, 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 wait, what? I go, I just marked more fish in, a, in 30 seconds than I didn't I do in a season. Like, yeah. I'm not leaving, <laughs> crazy. But like going back to like that method, and actually this is something on that trip, we did a we did a day at Block Island mm. and uh, Vespi was on my boat, my buddy Greg, and I never fished Block Island before. Yeah. And we got to a point where we were gonna, um, we were just looking, we were just looking. And he's the one that was like, yeah, just go like 15, 20 miles an hour and see if you can mark a school. We'll stop on it. And it was successful. So I kind of took that aspect of it and did mm -hmm. it up here. I mean, before, you check an area out, you throw lines in, you know, wherever you got them, wherever, you know, you get your general points marked off, obviously, and stuff yeah. like that. But now, you know, you can cut your time down looking by just cruising. And again, for me... Like, I'll put an example. One of the last inshore trips I did on my boat this year was we had a good day of weather when I got out of school. And um, I was just by myself. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go fish, like, top water sluggos and have my jigging spoon. Mm. So I don't see anything on top. So 
I just really, I was by myself. I just did a run down the island. I was just looking for birds. I was looking mm. for life. Of course, it's it's my banana land that's been happening to me the last couple of years. <laughs> like, whenever I get the fish, I get shit weather and a dead bite. It's awful, dude. It's awful. <laughs> so I drive down. I'm like, I can't believe there's no birds or anything pushing. So I slid out a little bit deeper, was going, and I just saw little tiny, little tiny light blue, like a little spike, little, mm. like, you know, maybe like half an inch long just yeah you would have thought it was turbulence you know slow down go back over it mother load i dropped that spoon down and then like i caught like nine or ten fish in like half an hour that's and, awesome like mixed sizes and mm. then and then from there you know i drift through the school and it was a big school mm. and then i go reset my drift on the way i mock them on my side scan mm. so i adjust it get my drift like 100 feet you know east or west yeah and then drifted on from there so using that side scan in conjunction with your down imaging you're able to stay on the schools a lot easier so mm. finding it at first going underway getting a few fish out of it a lot of times that school moves especially in the open water bait fishing i mean those fish at that time were a mackerel that were inside they were moving mm. around quite a bit so you know you do your couple drifts you're not marking anything boom all of a sudden they're on the side scan or you go to reset your drift you go in the area and you kind of do circles until you find them again and then you start especially when you're jigging mm. as opposed to trolling where you're covering ground and you adjust them that way right so like that's just another example of the technology just like being so superior to what it was even 10 years ago because oh, yeah. you couldn't really no. realistically do that and count on it going that fast going so, 20 knots 25 knots so that actually brought me up to another to another thing that I realized with this boat. Um, so with this new boat, some of the old electronics that were on it actually belonged to my dad's best friend. Oh, no kidding. From 20 years ago? From, yeah, from like 20 years ago. So I was sitting there and I was looking and some of the spots that I fish were spot on, like my way, my, my way points yeah. were spot on with his. Yeah. And that... There, there were a handful there that I knew were just hand-me-downs from other guys that were in the yacht club. Yeah. But there was two in particular that I ran into so far. Um, I'm going to transfer all the spots over when I do the new electronics. But um, two of the spots in particular, they're in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Like, there's nothing there. But when I went over it with just the regular now Garmin down imaging that's on there, it was lit up like a Christmas tree it's it's literally like in the middle of 70 foot of water there's nothing there yeah the fact that he was a that him and the other guys were able to find those type of spots that long ago that that just goes to show you how different the fishery is now versus then yeah because those spots now are common knowledge mm -hmm. they're not they're not unknowns they're not new discoveries they're their spots yeah but back then it probably wasn't as noticed like people right. didn't like it wasn't on your captain seagull's chart for example. exactly mm -hmm. exactly i got a cool story about that dan um so i went out i was out i think i was on a chart i can't remember and mackerel fishing was kind of annoying they were doing this whole thing where they were staying in tide lines and moving around like this general area in front of plum island and I'm going out and I can't find a tide line. That's kind of like what I was looking for that had been in the pattern, you know. And I bump out, uh, I see where I am, and I know this is the spot marked. I'm like, all right, maybe I'll just, like, a half a mile away. Let me go check that out. Never really fished it. I do know that it was a macro spot from a while ago. Mm. And it was. I, I usually don't put names on my spots, like... 
Because, like, I have a pretty good memory of what's what. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I got you. But I put Abel as in my friend Matt Abel. He's another charter captain. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that's right. A bunch of years ago. Like, I think it was nine years ago. Yeah. yeah. What is it, 2022? So it was, yeah, nine years ago. So it must have been from my that first... That was fast math. First year with the Parker. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> get a lot of practice, but... <laughs> so, so I go to it. Hammer mackerel. And I just... I look at the waypoint, and something was just like... Man, I, I feel like it was this time of year. And I went on waypoint info. Mm. It was exactly 90 years ago to the day within 20 minutes... <laughs> of that number, That's I called awesome. Matt. I was like, "You won't believe this." Like, did I you look at the tide cycle? No, I didn't. I didn't. That would that, be that really would, interesting. That would have been really going out there. That, that would be really interesting to know if you're in the same tide line. I do also remember that first time we were getting mackerel there, we were seeing football tunas jump around there too. Mm. Yeah, actually, I think that day we were on our way to go to Southern Jeffries or Stellwagen to go tuna fishing. Yeah. And we were grabbing mackerel, and we saw Matt, and he was like, yeah, you need mackerel? They're all over here. So we stopped. I popped the point because I never fished there before. Yeah. And kept going. And we saw a tuna jumping on the way. And actually, I've seen um, in that particular area, because it's in a line if you're leaving Newburyport to, mm. to Cape Ann. And a lot of times, you know, it's just outside the three-mile line. Yeah. But <clears throat> you'll see big bass breezing on top. Mm. You'll see a lot of schools out there, like seven, eight fish on top on a clear day. Yeah. And they're there, you know, they just need to kick in another half mile. Yeah. You know, you can't target them, but mm. it just goes to show you, like, there's some reason there's life there. I mean, there's no particular structure. It's not on any particular it's be currents. break. Yeah, maybe rounding the Cape Ann and kind of maybe yeah. making the, the divot there. I mean, it makes sense, especially if you look at the bottom contours, how the bottom right. contours are all shaped out. So that could be a, that could definitely be it for sure. Yeah, it's a good thought. I never really thought about that. Mm. So, and then, um, but all right. So let's get into the fishing. Okay. All right. All right. Walk me through talk because a lot of people up here, you know, I like to think a lot of people that listen to this are from our area, mm. and you know, you talk about talk and stuff. They might have shut this thing off already, but they don't understand. They don't right. know what it's about. It's fun. It's fun as hell. Yes. So yes. Talk about the type of gear you use, the type of rigs you use, the bait, things you're looking for. You know, give us give us a little Captain Dan Smith seminar. You know, All right. As much All as right. you can in like 10 minutes or so. <laughs> yeah, no, I got you. I got you. All right. So everybody's got their own kind of like little juju that they do. Um, I am personally, I'm not a chummer, so I don't chum. And when you chum, what are you chumming with for those so, that would chum? Yes, yeah, so um, you're chumming with crabs, but you're chumming with particularly the crab legs. Mm -hmm. A lot of guys will chop the legs off, and then they'll put the hook in through one leg socket and out another. For me, I like the bigger bait presentation, so I leave the legs on. Mm -hmm. That being said, there are definitely days that I do chop them off. I still don't throw them over the side. I put them in a bucket, and they get dumped when we move. I don't believe in chumming, especially in my fishery because the current moves and I don't need to be chumming 300 yards behind the boat. Well, that, especially if you're in that river system there. Yeah, that, the Sakonet River. The Sakonet River. Yeah. It cranks in there. Yes, it can. It cranks. Yes, it can. Absolutely. Um, coming out of Tiverton Harbor, you know, it, it definitely on a on an outgoing tide and a, and a uh, southerly wind, it'll stand right up. It will, it's not quite competing with the Merrimack, but it's, it's, it could get there. It's got potential. Yeah. You know, if the uh, the southwest 
uh, if the southern winds are strong enough and the tide's strong enough. Yeah. So, you know, obviously Rhode Island faces south, so your yes. south wind is our east wind. And when we have the Merrimack, yes. our east wind with the outgoing tide is when mm. it gets rough. You know, wind yeah. against tide, not a good situation. Right, absolutely. So, um, that being said, I mean, I'm fishing for the most part when I'm outside the river. So, if I'm in the bay, I'm fishing with somewhere north of six ounces of lead mm-hmm. in 20 to 40 feet of water. When I'm out front, I can fish with as little as one ounce, depending upon where I am. Mm-hmm. If I have a group of guys that want to jig, you know, so we use these little, they're, if you bass fish, they're kind of like a football jig. They're not exactly like that. They're like an unskirted football jig, though. A little mm-hmm. bit stouter hook, a little different. But you put that in one leg socket and out another, and you let that sit on the bottom. There is a thing called a six inch lift where you'll take the jig and you'll gently lift it up six inches just to make sure that a big tog isn't sitting there with it in its mouth, just sitting there going, hmm, this crab's delicious. Because <laughs> sometimes they do that. So when you feel resistance, it's set to the moon. You know, these fish have really strong jaws, really strong teeth in their mouth, um, but they have big fatty lips. So, you know, they sit there and they just kind of pucker at they you. They're a weird-looking creature. Yeah, they're a little, they're a little funky. Yeah. They're a little funky. But they live in the rocks, in the wrecks, and in the structure. Um, for you guys, I don't know what you guys call them up here, but we call them Connor. Um, yeah, Connor. Yeah, so if you guys call them Connor up here, they're in the same family. Um, you know, some places call those fish Bergal. Yeah, from um, New York, New Yorkers. They don't know how to label anything. Yeah, you know. What's I, with that state? And, the, and then there's another thing called Choggy. It's the same fish. Yeah, and that's, you what, know? that's what they call it like in Virginia and Maryland, yeah, right? It's, yeah, it's weird. But anyway, and then you got Ocean Perch, which is the same fish. Which again. is what people that don't know what it is right, <laughs> always right. call it a perch. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, so um, so that's that's essentially it's the same type of fish, same same structure kind of a thing but they definitely fight harder um i will say this they do get up to 20 pounds so you need to have gear that's effective for those fish in rock structures and when you hook up into them (laughs) hang on because uh the first six feet to first 15 feet depending upon how deep you are and how big the structure is you're in for the battle Dude, they're gonna rock you. Like, oh yeah. You, you, you like anything above sixteen inches. Yeah. You gotta get it off. Yeah, you gotta get it off the bottom. Get it out of the wreck, off the bottom. If you don't, it brings you right in, and it's gonna hunker down. So, what kind of gear are you using to winch these fish out? So, I usually start with a seven foot medium heavy rod, mm-hmm. um, rated for like three quarters to two ounces. That's what the charter rods are. Um, personally, they're great. I like them. They catch fish. Um, I need them to be sensitive. That's mm-hmm. that's the issue. Sensitive in the tip. Yeah, right? sensitive in the tip. Lots of backbone and virtually indestructible. And one of the things I found when I went down with you this mm. weekend is I brought down my uh, tsunami slow pitch jigging rod. Which thank Too you for sit. bringing back because yes. I was really disappointed. I left my shit <laughs> in your car. It's okay. <laughs> it was in my house. It was fine. And uh, I I was getting aggravated because. I honestly think it was just too soft. Yeah, the it, tip was definitely too soft. The whole thing. Like, yeah. I go to set it and I, I miss it. It was a little too soft to feel the bite mm. and then a little too soft to set the hook. Because yeah. my hookup ratio when I was using my TFO, my spinning rod fast action, yeah. my hookup ratio was like seriously 15 to 1. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's definitely one of those things. You need a backbone to be able to set to the moon. Yeah. Like, you, you need to be able to have that firm tip. Soft, sensitive, firm tip. Which I know soft and firm to well, it's an oxymoron. Probably shuts off quick. Yes. Something to shut off yeah, quick. Yeah, quick shut off. 
Um, but that's literally that that's what you need. Um, something that can handle big fish. I mean, my charter specials are four thousand BG combos yeah. by Daiwa. You know, hundred and forty nine dollar, hundred and fifty dollar. So yeah, spinning yeah. reels. Yep. So jigging, spinning, conventional rigs. I know, I've noticed that with everyone I fish down there. Yeah. And I can't <clears throat> I see the spinning because that's the advantage of the jig, is that you can cast it up current. Right. I mean, you, you miss could. you miss the most important part if if that's if that's all you're looking at with that. So with a spinning reel, once you open the bale, there is zero resistance on that jig. That jig is going to fall exactly the way that it's intended to, mm-hmm. um, and it's going to land exactly the way it's intended to. With a conventional reel, the way that the spool is designed and the way the spool is going to unspin, it's going to have some level of resistance always. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the Sieglers, but the more they break in. Yeah. The slower they unwind. Okay. At least in my experience. Yeah. That braking system that they have, it's kind of a little wonky sometimes. Okay. Um, which I I like I said, I like the reels. They're they're good reels. Mm-hmm. Um, USA made, which you can't compete with. I mean, that's I'm I'm a pro USA guy. But that that there, that that kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah, I use Siglers well, on my. On I think my regardless too. of the system, you can't really free spool a reel like that and let it hit the bottom. Mm. You know, because like you have to ease it into the bottom. You'll backlash the reel if it right. just hits the bottom. Yeah. Right. But no, that is absolutely. a really good point. I never thought of about the rate of drop mm. and the difference between spinning reels and conventional rods. Interesting, for yeah. sure. You know, and that that's why if you look, so the guys who are who are vertical jigging for tuna mm-hmm. are all using spinning. Um, I don't know. I well, don't know about a lot that. of them. A lot of them, like the ones that are casting, like the, like casting the hoagie pro tails and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you can lob a conventional reel. Yeah. There, there's no ifs ands or buts about it. You know, and a you know a uh, what is it Penn International uh, thirty. Yeah. You know, or even the sixteen, that will sit there and pitch a bait just as well as a Sargosa. You know, twelve thousand. Yeah. Or yeah, twelve. No, ten. With an educated thumb, for sure. Yeah, you know, you you can do it. It's doable. So it's it's one of those things that the rate of fall is much easier to control with the um, with the with the spinning. Mm-hmm. Well, than, getting a faster rate of fall yes. is easier to control. I yes. would I would argue that controlling the rate well, of fall yeah. yes. is better with the conventional. Yes, I I would agree with you on that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> been a long day. I've been up since. Early. Oh, brother, you have no idea what my day was like today. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Yeah. All right, quit bitching. Let's go. <laughs> That's why we talk fishing. Yeah. Please, uh, I can't talk about it on here. <laughs> well, my day was worse than yours. <laughs> oh, actually, no, my day was just, it's just craziness. <laughs> That's all. So with that, um, I double anchor whenever possible. Um so double anchor explain yes all right so double anchor so basically you're running two anchors from the bow i'm not a i'm not going to tell you guys to run two anchors one bow one stern people do it i'm not saying that i don't believe it's safe but there is a safe way to do it don't get killed anyway from the bow you take one run it off your port side take the other run it off your starboard side so when you set you'll find You'll find that there's one that you'll set first every time. Just get into a habit of it. Yeah. But basically, if you were to draw a T, that's where you want to set on the two points of the T, the left and the right point of the T, Mm -hmm. is where you want to set your anchor. 
you're actually going to sit at the cross of the top of the T and the base of the T. Mm -hmm. That's where you're going to sit. And so, what, okay, so they're going to be going more left and right yeah, than they, like, so in my mind, I was thinking like 45 degree no, angles, but that wouldn't make sense. No, you're yeah. going to basically go straight 90s. Okay. So, and the reason you're going to go basically straight 90s on it is because it allows you to shift a little bit left or right, and it also gets rid of your swing. Yeah. It Which is huge in that fishery. It can be, yeah. Because you could, like, even yeah. when we were fishing that day, yeah. uh, was it Bob? The guy was, who's killing the fish? Uh, Rob, yeah. Rob, Rob. Yeah. There yeah, was Bob one guy again. He was like all of a sudden like ten to one. Yeah. Of everybody else on the boat, it was ridiculous. Yeah. And it's like but that's tog fishing. But that's tog fishing. That's the boat swaying a little bit, then I finally got a couple. Right. Of them. And then it swung back and sat there, and he just wailed on him. Exactly. And that and that's where the whole spot lock or trolling motor anchoring really changes everything. Yeah. No it swing. really it it changes everything. To touch into it real quick. For Tatog, it's going to let you sit on the exact spot that you want, and if you decide, eh, this spot's not exactly what I thought, you can move 10 feet to the left or the right by hitting a button. You don't have to redrop. It's it's such a such a game changer. But anyway, the other even with the other species that we have down there, fluke, on days that it's wind against the tide, pick mm -hmm. the tide. Go with the tide. Go with the tide. It lets you drift with the tide instead of kind of staying still. Mm -hmm. You know, and drift bags, they work, but if you have a big boat like what I've got now, I would still stay with the wind, unfortunately, yeah. even with the drift bags. So with the uh, trolling motor, it's going to allow me to go with the tide. Mm -hmm. And then with sea bass, same idea. You know, you find the pod of sea bass, you set up right over them, you jig them up. And then you move, you know, it's, it's really, it's nice and easy. So you find the wolf packs of, of the sea bass and in Buzzard Bay, that's, that's the key. That's the key. Find the fish and then just sit there and wail on them. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously the key to anything is find the fish. Stop with that. <laughs> I always you gotta be find on the, the meat, fish. dude. You gotta be always. on the meat. <laughs> I can't imagine doing that T setup with the anchor and being like, oh, we gotta move 30 feet over there. Oh, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> god damn it. We, we swung off so somewhere that, around yeah. here. So, see, that's the beauty of it. That That's literally, that's the beauty of the T anchor, though. Because what that allows you to do is that allows you to shift to the left or the right. Yeah. You let out a little more exactly. line one yeah. way, a little more line the other way. It, it allows you to shift. So are you throwing one out, coming tight, moving forward, putting another? Like, how, how do you get two to be tight to be completely perpendicular to you? All right. So so basically, <coughs> the, the way that it works is so you come up. So if I wanted to anchor up on a rock, I'm going to bring my nose up over to that rock. I'm going to drop. Okay. And then what I'm going to do is basically a full 360, all right? Under power. Under power, yep, under power. And I'm going to drive directly away from that from that anchor. Yeah. So if I'm setting to the west, I'm literally going to run to the east, which, but I'm gonna to run to the east and then I'm going to drop there. And really what I want is the spot that's in the middle of the two spaces. And then at that point, you're just adjusting based on your fish finder, letting exactly. line out, taking, and then you tighten it up. Yes. And they pull tight. Yes. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. So that being said, it works best with a fluke style anchor, um, which I okay. which yep. I prefer a rec style anchor. Yeah. All right. Explain um, a rec style anchor because I knew about them when I saw them on your boat the other day. Yeah. 
with the whole contraption you have there with the zip ties and all that shit. Oh, like, is that the one? Yeah, you have it uh, zip tied up front and then it breaks. Yes. And then you release. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, it's like a grappling hook yeah. um, with a giant shaft on the end of it. So it's it's a grapple hook with like a two and a half, three foot shaft. The chain hooks to the bottom of the grappling hook, and then the chain runs along the shaft to the top eyelet <clears throat> where it's zip tied. And the reason I zip tie it there is so that the chain hangs through, hangs true. So when I set the anchor, it actually sits like a regular anchor. But when it's time to go, if it doesn't haul up on its own, which 90% of the time it does because you come forward on it and it changes the angle. But anyway, it changes the angle of the anchor. But if for some reason it gets lodged in rocks that way, you literally just back down on it and it changes it, when it breaks the zip ties, it changes the orientation of the anchor. You're not pulling it from the top of the anchor. You're pulling it from the bottom of the anchor. So it flips it. So it flips it. Yeah. And then, you know, then you have to worry about taking it and setting it up the right way to get it back inside the um, the pulpit. But it's really not that big of a deal. Um, it was on, the, on Sunday that day. That yeah. Time. It well, was a little nasty out there. Well, yeah, you know, when you sit there and it's, you know, it's blowing 30, it's... Uh, <laughs> you know that that's it. I told you when to I be. go fish for fun, I bring the weather with me. Brother. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tell me about it. Tell me about it. You know, shit. <laughs> you know, but we did have a good day out there for the most part. You know, we weren't able to fish our A one spots, but um, you know, we definitely. Is that because you woke up at seven a.m.? No, no. That day we did not. Yeah, we were off the dock early because lines in oh, the water six o two or something oh, okay. like that. Yeah. So. We ran about an hour to get smacked in the face as soon as we came out of the mouth and went, well... Actually, the, the ride was freaking phenomenal. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't have known until you stopped and tried to set the anchor and went out on the back deck. Yeah. And you were like, oh, shit. Yeah, no, she rides... <laughs> but the ride was great. You know, she, I think I had a coffee on, on the mm, thing and it didn't fall. Yeah, no. The second day well, actually, it did. the second day it did. The second That's day right. it did. Yeah, the second day it did. But that wasn't because of a wave. That was because you knocked it over. Yeah, clumsy Chris. Yeah, clumsy Chris. I do have a question again. for you. After yeah. this weekend, mm. how much chewing tobacco was on the deck of your boat? Ooh. <laughs> oh, Dan hates when I chew on his boat. No, I don't mind. No, not you this day. Oh, that guy. Oh, that guy. I know it crushed. I watch his face. Like the, I, he doesn't know this, but I go to pack my lip and I look at his face and I see the grimace that this beautiful, perfectly clean boat will probably have forty to sixty little shreds of tobacco at some point all over the corner. That's great. So and you know what? It all came to fruition that I knew he was thinking that because when we were when I was driving Kyle's boat on Friday. Yeah. Dan walks over and goes, oh, you can tell Chris has been here because he's dip all by the throttle. <laughs> so there's still a can of dip on my boat. It's like a trail of bread. I do tend to leave. You know what? I, um, I want to quit. So I'm going to do it. This is it. I'm making myself accountable starting a week from Christmas. <laughs> Your New Year's resolution. Yeah, New Year's resolution. I've started to diet in the gym the past week, and I'm doing great. I can't do too much at once. I was going to say, you're looking good, looking spry. Dude, I, what is it, 9 o'clock right now? I'm yeah. fired up. I've been so fired That's up awesome. this week. Yeah. Um, I went through, I had COVID about a month ago. Like, yeah. I don't know. 
And like ever since oh, then, oh, right about the time you were at my house. Oh, thanks. It was. I think it was the week before. I told you that. Yeah, but I, I know. tested. Negative. I know. You yeah, did. it was the yeah, week before I went down there. Yeah, you were good. And um, <laughs> dude, I don't know what. Same thing happened last year when I got mm. COVID. It was like for like a month. I couldn't get up off my ass, man. I couldn't yeah. get off off the couch. But no matter what, so I don't know. I got my shit together this week, and hopefully, I feel like it'll mm. continue until fishing season. I can get fat during the summer again. Cause yeah, rinse, repeat, gain twenty, you know, gain thirty, lose twenty five, gain thirty, lose twenty five. So I mean, you could you could do my diet plan. My diet plan was get COVID, then get food poisoning, and then not eat because you don't trust anything because nothing tastes right. And Buddy, it all you took me like to Chicken Filet. You had fucking ten thousand points for the yeah, last month. Buddy. Chick-fil-A is fire. This kid, his diet, his, like, his diet is Chick-fil-A hey, every Chick day. Chick-fil-A is God's chicken. Like, let's just be real. Let, let's be clear. I know that, they accept it in the house of the Lord. Yes, they are. It is delicious. It is delicious and nutritious and fried goodness. I haven't had Chick-fil-A since I lived in Florida. And then when they put one up here, I was just like, meh. Meh. What? Dude, yeah. off topic of fishing, uh, do you remember when the Sonic opened in uh, oh, Number One? Well, that was just it. The camaraderie, everyone Dude. waiting in line. Bah. It's just like, who waits in line for a fast food sandwich? We waited in line for three hours, like the week after it opened. Yeah. Just because we drove from, we drove from not college. That great. I was I'm like, well, we didn't know that. It looked like the most amazing thing in the world. I'm like, yeah. and you know what? It's like, like how many Sonic it. commercials do you see now? Yeah, you know what? Yeah. Like, you know how they have all those individual things and you pull up and you mm. order? It's like, there's not a go go dancer coming out on roller skates. It's some like, it's yeah, some like <laughs> nerdy kid with yeah. like oh, I got your, braces and I got your tater tots. I mean, nipples. I feel bad for you guys if that's what you deal with. I mean, my location down near me. Hmm. What, your Sonic? Yeah. What, they have roller girls come out? Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> you gotta come down more often, yeah. dude. Why do we go to Chick fil A and not there? Because I like God's chicken. Jesus Christ. It wasn't Sunday. Chick fil A. I only do Sonic on Sundays. Oh, true. Oh, Chick Fil A is closed on Sunday. Yeah, Chick Fil A is closed on Sundays. So you know, accepted in the house of the Lord. Exactly. My options are limited on Sundays. It's Wait a minute. KFC You're a huge Chick Fil A fan, but you don't like buffalo chicken. No, I hate buffalo chicken. God damn it! It's called butt flow. Butt flow. <laughs> butt flow chicken, man. <laughs> but I do remember about Chick Fil A. Let's be honest. We can talk about that if you want to. <laughs> I remember Chick Fil A having pretty good sweet tea. Yes. Ooh, yes. Ooh, half sweet tea, stuff. half lemonade, no ice. They call it a sun joy. Well, that's Isn't like, that an Arnie Palmer? That's an Arnold Palmer. Yeah. No. 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 An Arnold Palmer has alcohol. No. No. John Daly has alcohol. John, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, okay. You gotta know your golfers, kid. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. What's the ratio <laughs> of 50-50? Half, 50 50 Ah, half half. see, that's the thing. So Chick Fil A is sixty forty. Oh, Not that it makes a huge difference. Which direction? Unless you're using a graduated cylinder to proportion this correctly. If no, I, so, dude, I'm yeah. telling you, you should have seen this kid's rewards card. He could oh, have yeah. fed, you could have fed Ethiopia with Chick Fil A yeah. for free. Yeah, like yeah. I actually, I think they upgraded it last week. I think I'm a preferred member now or something or other. Jesus Christ, yeah. what did you need to get to get that? I figured you would have been the king of the castle by then. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they offer me tours of the facility all the time, like their home like their they like their home location. But alright, alright, so look we got on a tangent. We were talking about fast food now for like five minutes. <laughs> but like as as a charter captain who's working your balls off every day, yep, dude. The reality is like we don't have time. To we cook don't shit. like I don't have time to go grocery shopping and nope. then put it away and cook 
And yeah, who's like, got time for that? Dude, you know why? Why you? Would you <laughs> now that you don't said even that, go there. Yeah, don't like, even go no, there. You know what I was just thinking? I was like, oh, you were thinking just, about get a wife? No, get no. Wife I was thinking of Dan pulling up the Chick Fil A in his truck with the cooler in the back full of fresh dog, just ordering Chick Fil A. No, <laughs> oh, that's no, no, exactly no, that, what that, happened. No, that, that, that's the Chinese joint. Yeah, that's the Chinese <laughs> restaurant, man. That that's what we do there. Oh man, like you have a full cooler full of fish. Oh, what do you guys want to eat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, but no, like, that's a real thing. Like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if I was married and I came home and had a wife that would cook stuff, you know, it'd be great. But I'm not, which is why I get to fish at 3.30 in the morning till 8 o'clock at night pretty much every day. Yeah. yeah. But it's always like, uh, uh, I'll get a calzone, I'll get a pizza. And it's never good. It's it's, it's literally, it's it's always whatever whatever is fast. Easy, yeah, cheap. And uh, I think I pretty much spent all my tip money on DoorDash this year. Oh, uh, see, like, oh. see, I don't do DoorDash. I'm, I know I'm not it's that. Awful. I'm not that level. Um, and I also don't go to the restaurant that's right there on the dock either, because that is just a money grab scheme. And I'll put it this way: when you walk in there and they go, "Oh, hey, Dan, how are you doing today?" and you go, "Hi." Uh, all right. Client, they know the, you by name. Is the, that what you're yeah, the, the, the clients were okay today, I guess. Oh, okay. Well, you gonna get your usual? Yeah. <laughs> oh, good, because we already put the order in. We saw you walk in. <laughs> Shit. Well, how about me? I got the deck dude, and I walk yeah. by, and I'm like, uh, you know what I want? Samita sandwich. Yep. Twenty two bucks or whatever. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's pretty bad. So, like, I used to go into Chick Fil A back when I worked on the ferries you know, on the Cape. But I used to go into the Chick-fil-A on Cape, which was owned by a wonderful couple. They they really sparked my love for Chick-fil-A. But anyway, I could walk in there right before my shift, and if there was a line, she would look at me. She'd give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. Thumbs up meant I was getting the exact same thing, and then I'd come over and pay when the, uh, when the line went down. Yeah. And the order would already go in. Or she would come over and grab the card and just run it for me anyway. I didn't have to wait in the line. Thumbs down meant I was changing my order, and then I had to wait in the line like a peasant. So what is the what is the Captain Dan Smith official order at Chick-fil-A? Ooh, so... It's okay. It, hey, listen. Just You're in a safe place here. You can tell us. You don't, <laughs> you don't have to lie. Tell right. us exactly what you get. All right, fine. It's a number one, no pickles, add lettuce, add bacon, large fry, large drink, and then also an eight count of Chick-fil-A nuggets, just the entree. Wait, what is it number one, though? Number one is a Chick-fil-A sandwich fried and, like I said, with lettuce and bacon. Oh. And I also get one packet of regular honey because if you haven't put honey on fried chicken, you're missing out. Well, Fuck that Chick-fil-A sauce, man. So, guys, this is I'm glad we got you on here before the two of us die of cardiac arrest by Christmas. So, <laughs> <laughs> Damn, what's your go-to fast food joint? You're not really a huge fast food no, eater. I, I don't really know. I don't do it. Yeah, good for you. Yeah. Loser. Every time, like, oh, uh, I don't know. Like, every time I have McDonald's, I wake up and I'm like, Whoa. oh, isn't it well, gross? So, all right. So, so, so let's just be honest. McDonald's is shit. Like, McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, they can all go jump off a cliff. Taco Bell, I, I'm not a huge fan of. I, I don't like Mexican shit because it gives me the shits. But anyway, it, it is what it is. 
<laughs> this yeah. podcast has spiraled out of control. Oh, yeah, no, we've gone <laughs> way into good. left field. This is a good conversation, though, because... But yeah, it's a real issue. Yeah, yes. no, it definitely is. I, I don't um, know. It's especially just, a bunch, uh, uh, amongst the bunch of fat kids. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Dan. Yeah, uh, hey, you know, <laughs> I can't deny. I cannot confirm or deny that I'm a fat man. Dude, I'll tell you one thing, though. My lunchtime Bucarelli sandwich. Oh, I look forward to that every day. So now, now we're talking. You the get the finest Italian meats and cheeses mm. in all the land on a nice, oh yeah, oh. On a nice ciabatta bread. It See, went you know up in I, price though. It's expensive. Well, that's, so that's so, just it. Like you got, like I took, I took my kids to McDonald's to get Happy Meals. I'm like, I'll have two Happy Meals, and uh, and you know we'll do. And then it's all different now. So it's yeah. like, do you want apple slices? Or do you want extra fries? Do you want this? Yeah. Do you want that? And then extra I get to the fries. window, and it's like. 18 bucks for two Happy Meals. Mm. I'm like, what happened to like two ninety nine for a Happy Meal? No kidding, yeah. right? No. no. I was like, we might as well just go out to dinner somewhere. Right. Really? Yeah. Realistically, right? Yeah. My, my, my typical McDonald's drive through order is about $21 for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Go to, your, go to your local sub shop. I bet you can get a chicken finger sub for probably two chicken finger subs for probably close to that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yes, I'm a chicken guy. I like fried chicken. All right, so since we're talking about food, what are these crab eating? Because when I was going to go down there, you're like, hey, bud, can you get white crabs? I'm like, yeah, let me just go to my ah. yard back here and whip up some white crabs. What the fuck is a white crab? All right, so <laughs> so you're going to let the Rhode Island secret out. All right. So we're going to go down this path. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's all good. All right, so there's, there's a bunch of different types of crabs. But anyway, um, I'm not going to give you all of my secrets, but we'll talk about white crabs. So green crabs is what everybody uses. Asian crabs are literally the little Asian shore crabs. A lot of people use those. Wait, didn't green cat crabs come from Asia? Uh, yeah, they're an invasive species. I think, they, were species, Europe. I think I they are an invasive species, yeah. but I think it was Europe. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think it was Europe. Okay. Um, and then you've also got the um, you got the white leggers. Now the white leggers, contrary to popular belief, are not baby Jonas. They're not sand crabs they are actually a crab called mud crab which typically they typically come from like new york new jersey area that's where they're really popular Um, we do get them up here they're mixed in with the little stone crab and the little uh, rock crab that we get in lobster traps Um, they're generally the size of the palm of your hand Um, they are big they were big, at least the ones well, the, that your buddy brought. Yeah, so I yeah, so those ones those ones were true sand crab, yeah. um, which are a white legged crab at the bottom that is local. Gotcha. Um, I am a true fan of if it has shells, it's gonna die. Mm-hmm. It's gonna get split in half, and it's gonna end up as tog food. But anyway, um, what about hermit crab? We're not gonna talk about that. Gotcha. But yes, I had a dog eat. We had a hermit crab. His name is Hermie. I was like, seven. Mm. so. Hasn't had a hermit crab. I have a funny hermit crab story. But all right, and, uh, all right, my fine. dog so Miles are, ate it. <laughs> so we are gonna talk about hermit crabs then. All right, so I'm gonna break down five types of crab for you. I'm gonna break down Asian crab, green crab, white crab, uh, hermit crab, and uh, spider crab. Asian crab in 20 feet or less that's when to use it green crab you can use it anywhere white crab in over 60 feet of water hermit crab if you want to shut a bite down <laughs> i shit you not no, no kidding. i shit you not it turns them on to only hermit crab and shuts every boat around down gotcha. it's it's a mean trick but anyway um 
comes really in handy on tournament day, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> we didn't use hermit crabs on the Tog no, Classic, but it's fine. Um, and then the last one is spider crab. Spider crab is a trash crab that is good um, some days. Other days, it's not. When you fished with me this year, when we were in the park, did we catch a spider crab that day? Because right around that time, I did catch a spider crab down there. I can't remember. I don't think it was. It hmm. might have been with you. I don't think so. But, um, I don't think it was. Yeah, me. it freaked me out because I'd never seen one before. It was. Oh. Nuts. Yeah, it was gross. Yeah. So when I say spider crabs, I'm not talking about the giant spider crabs. I'm talking about the ones that are like the palm of your hand. Okay. Yeah. All right. The, ni- the nice little little itty bitty ones. They're furry looking. They look like trash, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 But anyway, so you take those, you cut the legs off, cut them right down the middle, in one ho- in hook, uh, in one leg socket and out another. So there's a couple different ways to present the crabs. Um, you can do head shell on, head shell off. Which head shell on, you literally take all four legs on one side, put it between your index thumb, your index finger and your thumb, and then you take your other hand and put your index and middle finger underneath the head shell and pick up. Yeah, you lift the shell right off. Yeah, you lift the head shell right off. You're literally going to kill the crab immediately. They're still going to pinch you, so don't think that they're not going to pinch you. One thing, um, I cut the pinches off with scissors immediately. Like, fuck that, dude. You bitch. No, no, I picked. (laughs) I was picking the crab away from the presentation. Right. When I pick up the crab, I I pick it up with the scissors, cut it off, grab it, and cut the other one off. That's why dogs have those fatty lips that take the pinches. Exactly. That's also why, so there's actually, there's multiple videos of big tog coming up, getting pinched by the hook real quick, not getting a good hook set, and shaking the hook, and then going back for the same bait. Yeah. And the reason they do that is because they're used to getting pinched all the time by the food that they eat and cut. And, you know, they're just, they're literally big rubber lips. Like, it's, it's, yeah. There's such... Little bitches to hook, dude. They're so hard to hook, I feel like. Mm. You really need... You need a sharp hook. You need a sharp hook. You need that stiffer rod with the nice tip. Mm -hmm. Like, there is, like, a little little blend there. Oh, yeah. And you have to be quick on the draw, dude. Uh You gotta be quick. You're gonna gonna feel a little scratchy. Until you get used to it, you'll pull your hair out. Ready? It's frustrating. So So this is what the bite is gonna feel like. All right, so we're gonna make this an audio real quick. Yeah, literally. That's it. That's That's it. it. That's it. That's the bite. That's the bite. All right. You're going to feel little scratches, and then you're going to feel thump, thump. And if you don't swing on the thump or right before the thump, it's game over. It's that second thump, I feel like. You get the first one, you quickly feel the second one. And I got excited and hit the table there. uh, (laughs) Hey, set the hook. Swing. Swing. Oh, swing. Every time you hook up. I love it. So... With a with a hermit crab though, like how do you do? You pull the crab out of the shell. Uh, ball peen hammer. Oh, okay. So you crack it, smash it. Yep. So when you're out on the tall grounds and you hear whack, 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 and then you see that boat just start swinging, because it's gonna start swinging, and then your bite stops swinging. Yeah, pick up your anchor and start moving. That's how you know. That's that how you know. That using hermit crabs. Yep. You hear Why the do you think that is? Do you think it's just a smell or like, is it like you've been eating french fries all day and then there's a steak in front of you type of deal? Well, it's kind of like so, so this, you, could eat, you could eat the shrimp cocktail or you could have the lobster, you know what I yeah, mean? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Which, speaking of shrimp cocktail, um, you can bring shrimp and fish with shrimp. They do work very well. Yeah, they don't stay on the hook well from my experience in haddock fishing with it. Cook them. Cook them. Cook them. Par cook them. Okay. Par cook them. 
par cook them? Yeah, par cook them. What's that? Like half cook them. Okay. I don't, I don't eat seafood, so I know. All right, so ready? So, Never, ta- so, so take a pound of shrimp, bring a pot of, pot of water to a boil. Literally, you're going to put them in, and as soon as they go in, you're going to see them turn white real quick. As soon as they turn a little bit white, drain them. Okay. It literally rubberizes the outside coat. Interesting. So only do it if you're using it that day, because otherwise you win full mix stanky. Oh, yeah. There'll definitely be something that gets left in the left in the cooler overnight. Yeah. The next day, not too good. Yeah, no. No, that's kind of like the bluefish flays you left on the boat a couple years ago for shark bait on my trip. I still yeah. haven't told From them. the day before? From, we're gonna from go two shark. days before. Yeah. I still haven't told the bucket of mackerel story. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> go ahead, Dan. Tell right, people the here we go. Right. Yeah, so mackerel bite, you know, it was it was tricky, right? It wasn't at on certain days. Mm. You had to really travel around to find them. And I got into them really good one day. I think mm. I just and, had an afternoon trip, that's why. Yeah. 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 And I so didn't have a morning trip. I said to Chris, I was like, Chris, I I mean, I have like a half half a five gallon bucket full of mackerel. I was like, Do you <laughs> do you want them? Like I'm you know, I don't want to take as typically I would take excess mackerel and I take them home and I freeze them. I don't let them go to waste. Mm. And he was just like, Oh, he's like, You have fresh mackerel? He's like, Yes, I could totally use them for my afternoon trip. So I'm like, All right, awesome. So I bring the bucket over, leave it on his boat, and like, have at it, buddy. Plenty of mackerel. You can we can catch mm. all the fish you want. So I'm thinking in my head, I'm like helping him out, you know, he's been such a great help with me and here I am providing to him. <laughs> and so the thing is is like it's amazing in how in the boating world a five-gallon bucket is might it might as well have diamonds in it, even you know, because that's just like. So I'm the, a few days go by and I'm like, hey, uh, how about my bucket? Like, what, you know, you got my bucket? And he's just like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I have you. He's like, I have your bucket. I'm like, all right. I'm. I was still out on the water, and um, Chris had to go somewhere. He's in a rush, and then he calls me up. He says, Dan. He's like, I left your bucket right on the right on the, right at your on the dock at your slip. I'm like, all right, awesome, thank you. So I pull in, and I tie off. And I go to grab the bucket. Well, the bucket's not empty. <laughs> so I'm like, what the hell? I opened the bucket, and it was like Armageddon. It was just like, honestly, like one of the nastiest, grossest situations ever. Because I had them on ice, too. So oh, they just like so stewed. They stewed so in the water. Cameron and they t- turned to liquid. <laughs> and I'm like, you motherfucker. I know. Like, you couldn't at least just dump out the goddamn bucket. So we, we, <laughs> uh, like, we, we ended up hammering mackerel. I didn't need to use it. And then it's like... You know, you forgot, <laughs> and then like. Well, wait. I want to know no, at what point. So, right, I want to so. know at what point you forgot because no, yeah. you had to move the bucket and there had to be That's weight in it. Say. And you know, so you, like, it was like, like, like yeah, a Yeti bucket, yeah, dude. Those like, things weigh a thousand no. pounds. I didn't know the difference. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so we're at two different docks, same marina, but it's like two totally different docks. Like drivable on a pretty much drivable. Like you don't even want to walk from one to the other. Mm. So he took the bucket off of his boat. Walked it all the way off the dock, put it in the back of his truck, and then walked it all the way down my dock and put it where it was when I went to get it. And it was still full of this mackerel stew. Dan, I'm telling you right now, I really am incredibly sorry. (laughs) That was such a dick move. So wait, but you know what? I want to know. That's the last time I want to know. You don't. I don't know if you know this, but I got payback on myself for that. So, (laughs) well, wait a second before we go into that. Yeah, what do you got? Where's that bucket now, Dan? It's in my basement. You saved it? Yeah, of course I did. I'm shocked. Oh, yeah, so I'm going to tell my story. Yeah. So ready? So I cleaned it, it right out. Cleaned it up. So it must have been a, like, is it a Yeti bucket? No, no. I just, uh, I put a screw top lid on it. 
Oh. And it's just a, I don't know, it, do, it does. Actually, that's the bucket that Pear gave me. It's a nice oh, one. It has, it has one of the, ro- it has like a rope handle on it. Mm, which is so. Yeah, it was, uh, it's a, it's a bucket worth saving. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I mean, if it was me, I would have told him, hey, uh, you owe me a bucket. Yeah. Yeah. No, I cleaned it out. <laughs> I so cleaned it out. I got, I, if Chris cleaned it out, he probably would have thrown up. So that's how I was like, you know what? He probably would have threw up anyway. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I would video that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't worry. There's a YouTube channel called V Puking. <laughs> There's like 5,000 videos and so many subscribers. <laughs> he doesn't get seasick, but it doesn't take much. Like if you start going, Dude, it's like, I don't know what it is. It's just something I've dealt with my whole life. And um, probably because of the McDonald's. <laughs> Actually, I never was a fast food eater until like probably the last three years. So, um, anyways, uh, so I, you got payback. I gave payback on myself. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I went fishing one day and I got a fish bag last year mm. just to, like, uh, we talked about like putting fish in the cooler and in the deck. So, this year, um, I was like, all right, I don't really like having my big cooler for fish. I like putting drinks and stuff in there, but it ended up working out well with fish. But I got this fish bag off of Amazon for like 20 bucks. And it was just, it, it kind of sucked for a fish. Like, I could actually fish four slot stripers in there, no problem. Mm. But it was a little tight. So, what I found was really great. It was, I liked it to transfer frozen mackerel and chum from my house to my truck down mm. at the dock. It was way easier to carry than a bucket. I could sling it on my shoulder and carry all my other stuff. So it was great. I actually used it for that. And it kept ice so I could keep things in overnight for the next day. Mm. Well, I went fishing, had like, I don't know, a gallon bag of mackerel left over, left it in there, put literally put 30 pounds of ice, and I was going to go fishing the next day. Well, next day it was like blowing and windy, so I didn't go. But the problem was it was when I was back at work. So oh. I didn't go back down my boat for like three weeks. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, the bag. I picked it up and oh, that's heavy. I'm like, oh no. Oh no. I pulled the I, oh, like, no. I put oh, the no. zipper. I was like, you know, fingertips up, you know, like the pinkies up, like turned the body away, like I knew it was coming. I made that zipper go down like about two and a half inches, right? And it was like it was like a cartoon, like the green stench, you know, just coming. I could feel gloom. it, and it just hit me in the face for a second. I threw up, <laughs> took my bag, zipped it up, walked it up to the dumpster. See you later, bag. <laughs> so now the question is, did you save that bag in your cart so that you can get another one for next year? No, you know what? I didn't like that one, and Fallon... So Fallon and I like we whenever we buy anything, it's like we always have a review on it. Like mm. I swear to God, we could buy bottled water and be like, if it was for fishing, how'd you like that water? Was it clear? Was it mm. taste good? How was the handle? Could you hold it well? Yeah. What was the price? Yeah. Would you find it best? So we I brought the fish bag I up there and we both received them both at the same time. And the problem was it was like a, a it was just like literally like a Manila folder. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So the bottom didn't box out. It was just like a V. Mm. So it was a pain in the ass to close when you put stuff in. Yeah. So Fallon actually found one for about the same price where the bottom boxes out. So it's more like a rectangular shape. Ah. So I'm just going to buy that one next year. Oh, okay. All right. And he likes that one? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's actually super versatile for what I was using it for. Cool. Just using it as an extra carry-all bag. You know, if I didn't have bait and shit in there, I could just put whatever. Like, if I... I'm trying to think if there's anything specific. I mean, you know, just maybe some, like, tools I would throw in there, like, mm. loose tools and had to carry a bunch of stuff down to the boat. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, it was it was great and something I'm gonna keep implementing and bring down to the boat for sure. Nice, and, nice. Um, yeah, yeah. And, Absolutely. Uh, and I, I don't know, as far as crap like that, I do have an Amazon cart pretty full right now. Thanks, uh, Dan. We were tell me about it. back and forth a few weeks ago. So yeah, if you if you if you go onto Amazon and you like to do like boat accessories or boat stuff, don't do it. Pr- pretty much own everything on the first four pages. <laughs> oh, oh, guys, I got to tell you my hermit crab story. Oh yeah, your hermit crab story. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy. So I also had a hermit crab named Hermie. And, uh, oh, yes. Yeah, I think every, everyone has a hermit crab named Hermie, right? It's kind of like twins? a go-to name. No, they were not twins, but oh. I, we picked it up at the Hampton Beach, the, the the strip at Hampton Beach. It used to be like it was like the hermit crab dealer. Who knows if they're still there? I think that's probably where we got oh, yeah, ours too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had to so they might be twins. Because yeah, maybe. <laughs> who knows? Yeah, <laughs> distant cousins, kissing cousins. Who knows? <laughs> but so we get this hermit crab and we have it, and like me and my brother, we love playing with the thing, and we would just like put it down in the living room and let, let it run around mm. well we put it down in the living room we got you know sidetracked probably punching each other mm. or something who knows and uh we were like oh what shit where's Hermie? where's Hermie? <laughs> like i have no idea we have no idea where Hermie is and we we're just like yeah whatever you know? <laughs> so about a, a little bit of time passes and um this is when i lived in danville new hampshire and our house had um in the back it had two sliding doors that went out out to the deck mm. and um to get the airflow on those doors were always open like so in the summertime they let the nice breeze in it was the shady side of the house we didn't have ac so that's how it kept things cool and uh it's so it's nighttime at this point um still haven't found Hermie. my father goes to the back of the house he shuts the door and boom the door doesn't close oh he's like what the hell again slams the door <laughs> This time it closes, and we look down, and there's poor little Hermie. <laughs> and, he's, and he's in a bunch of pieces. <laughs> it was not that way. It should have gone. But the little bastard was in the track of the door. Oh. And he shut the door right on my damn hermit crab. Did you cry? I actually did not cry. It was, I, I did not cry. Did he get you a new one? Uh, no, that was it. No more hermit crabs from there on out. When we uh, found out that our dog ate our hermit crab, uh, <laughs> dude, that, he was always just like staring at it. That's always what staring at it. And he was curious. He'd jump up and grab shit. Mm. And dude, my brother, so I must have been like six, so Nick must have been three or so, mm. was balling. And oh. I really thinking about it now, that might explain a lot of things with him. <laughs> 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 oh, so that's funny. a couple way to get rid of crabs. Dan, yeah. what do you suggest? What's the best yeah. way to get rid of crabs? I know, Dan's like, Dan's like ball peen hammer. I'm like sliding door. <laughs> <laughs> I heard, <laughs> heard shaving sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny that's good that's great so <laughs> <laughs> all right so back to the fishing yeah so how is the season now Wait, are you, are you, is it still the bite still hot is oh, it yeah. slowing down no and it's going to yeah i'm looking at your facebook you guys have been crushing it yeah it's it still lights out yeah. this time of year it's it's literally like this is i don't want to say prime time but it's prime time. Well, I'm up in, like, there's a lot of boats that are, 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 I'm assuming, gone too, right? Like, are there less people fishing down there? No. Or is it, it's, oh, it's probably gets busier. Damn, it's totally a, different animal. It's a parking lot. Yeah. It's literally the Merrimack River in July. Okay. Like that's like that's a pretty accurate. Statement. Yeah. I mean, you haven't have any words with anyone. 
We're not talking about yeah. that, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So it's it's very competitive, but most of the charter guys we all we all get along for the most part. Um, but it, it's very competitive because there are certain pieces of bottom that are just way yeah, well, more think about like certain holes because you're fishing fishing structure and you want mm. certain holes, you want certain attributes, but you and have... sometimes like that's that that area can be like the size of a dining room table. I would oh assume, yeah, right. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's. You know, if you're not there, like that's why when I think about, you know, going on your boat at 7 a.m. to fish, sometimes it's not just about, you know, whether they, you can catch them in the night or catch them in the day. But when you get there and someone's in your spot, then you have to totally change your whole game plan and that blows. That is a so great point. It, yeah. it is a good point, um, but it's not really something that happens with us a lot. Um, so we've all kind of got our own, our own spots, our own rhythm. Most of the charter guys will, if they know, all right, Chris fishes at you know this spot, mm-hmm. and Dan uh, fishes at this spot. Well, I'm not going to fish in either two either of those two spots because those are their spots. But mm-hmm. if I see Chris was still tied to the dock this morning when I left, and he wasn't down at his boat, well, shit, that spot's open. Who's going to take that? That's where we run into the issue. Yeah, and then well, if one more boat gets added to the mix, and that's gonna- well, that that's exactly Oof. it. Like that's you know. You saw that he wasn't there. I saw that he wasn't there. And we both were like, oh, well, we're going to go fish Chris's spot today. You guys just motivated me to never take a day off ever now. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, right. We have like five spots in the Merrimack, and everyone's like, oh, this is my spot. It's like, dude. It is more than five dude. spots. Yeah, I know. It just depends. There's five, five spots. I feel like there's five spots at any given time. But yeah. There's several spots. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because well, like, it changes. Changes. But we have so much structure. You have so much water. It's insane yeah. how much water you have yeah. to cover. And yeah. you're also not bound by three miles either with the talk. Do you ever see right. any spear, no. anyone spearfishing out there? Yes, it's huge. Is it becoming more popular? Yeah, oh, yeah it's totally. huge. Um, particularly for blackfish or to talk, it's it's very popular. Okay. Um, are they free diving or are they t- the tanks? Both. Yeah. Both. A lot of guys will free dive in the early season. Um you know, in September or in the springtime. Um, I personally think that spearfishing in the springtime should not be legal. Because spawning that time of year? Yeah, that was going on yeah there. they're spawning. Truthfully, if they shut that season down in the spring, I would not cry about it. I know quite a few guys who would cry about it because that's their moneymaker. But, you know, if they gave, if they gave a supplemental species, um, you know, like black sea bass or something like that at that time of the year, I'd be fine with it. So, but that being said, I'm also in Buzzards Bay at that time of the year. So I don't care what Rhode Island does at that time of the year. Yeah, that's right. Because you split your charters up. I do a little bit in, in Buzzards Bay, leaving out of Mass. What do you live out? Of? Leave out of Fall River? Uh, nope, New Bedford. New Bedford. Yep, New Bedford. They're right next to each other, right? Mm, kind of. No, okay. not really. I don't know that area. Yeah, so. Fall River is right next to Tiverton. That's why. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. where we went to weigh in the fish the first day. Yeah. 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 So. No, we went to Wareham. Wareham, whatever. First day was Wareham. <laughs> okay. Chris is spun. He he has no idea what what day it is. Chris, what day it is? What day is it? Today? Yes. Thursday. Ooh. I don't know the date though. Don't even bother. No, that was good because earlier you thought it was Friday. It, today felt like a Friday all day for me. <laughs> At dinner we were talking about it and you're like, oh yeah, today's Friday, and I'm like, Chris. Yeah. Just one more day. One yep. more day. Yep. So that being said, um, you know the the fishery down near us, completely different ball game, 
completely different ballgame. We also get Albies, but that being said, yeah, I, don't, I, know. I don't really... Yeah, Chris is angry. He's giving me the scowling right now. <laughs> Tell everybody why. Because I don't fish for Albies. Well, not even that. That wasn't even the way I was getting at. Oh, okay. It was just the experience while we were talking. <laughs> yeah, so... And the all right, so sucked I'll, in the afternoon. Yes, it did. So, for the Rhode Island Tog Classic, we Chris fished on my boat, and... Uh, the, the bite in the afternoon was uh, subpar, we'll go with. Yeah. And we were getting absolutely surrounded by Albies. Just out of casting range. Just like out. they are prone to do. Yeah, just out of casting range. And then I had to go and, you know, poke the bear just a little bit more. And uh, I moved the boat to another spot that was just on the other side of them. So we had to drive mm-hmm. through them. And, uh, yeah, so him... My buddy Tyler and my buddy BJ were all sitting there on the bow of the boat casting at the Albies going, can we just fish for Albies? I just want to fish for these. <laughs> Damn, we're not going to win this tournament right now. Cut the goddamn anchor line. Because remember, you're anchored up. Oh, yeah. You know, it's not like yeah. you're just sitting there watching. And I, I'm saying to Tyler and BJ, I'm like, guys, you know, I don't do a lot of Albie fishing. Like, I go like two or three days a year. I go, I've never seen him up like this for four hours. <laughs> and they're like, neither have we. This is well, nuts. Spe- yeah, especially later in the day because it's typically like you know, yeah. early morning sunrise. And yeah, like, mm, just after Get sunrise. a few hours. <clears throat> yeah, they got absolutely... Damn, it, it was, you've never caught an alley before? No. That's why you don't fish for them. Yeah. No, so all right, so ready? So in my defense, here's my thing. I can't, I, I can't break my season up anymore. At that time of the year, literally the end of August until beginning of september so you're honed in on your species you're committed to it yeah i you know i i can't i can't that time of the year it's just the the last week of august the entire last week of august is literally me black sea bass fishing on my tatog spots with green crab on board you know so what that, though, so, when they come in so when, that, you, when yeah. you do when you do one of these tog trips and you're out there and you got well, what's what's is it miss what miss what now what's the name of the boat nope what did you change the name yep what is it nope not telling you're not, not telling. Not telling. No, not telling. Okay. Why? You'll have to right. tune in. So you'll, you'll have when you to take tune in. when you take not telling out there, and yeah. you have the uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you have your trip. You come That's back. That's actually a great name. You not know, telling. You know what? I like that. You know what? <laughs> you know who would? You know what would absolutely, absolutely love to go back out and go alby fishing with you? Mm. Duke. Duke wants to go alby fishing. Duke? So yes, the Duke the wants Duke. to. Yeah, the Duke <laughs> wants to go alby fishing. Yeah. Yes, I I agree. Um, yeah, the Duke definitely wants to do some Albie fishing. It definitely wants to do some light tackle, fun, fun fishing. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But your bread and butter, just what you love to do, yes. what your customers love to do, what you feel confident that you're going to crush it with is yes. your bottom fishing. Hundred percent. And as somebody who grew up like working on the party boats, you know, haddock fishing, mm. that is a dedicated style of fisherman. Yes, those people that do that love it yep and that's all they want to do so it's weird yeah. how our buddy justin justin oser i don't know if you ever met justin yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah you met him at the tournament yeah. yeah he uh he took first in the kayak division Stun. yeah but just another, unbelievable another fishing. guy i didn't think he could care less about catching bass mm. you know he does a little alby fishing he loves black sea bass oh, justin's sneaky yeah. though because then he'd be like oh i went on drop of flats last night he's like you did and he's like, catching 40 inch fish it's mm. like, what? okay 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 yeah. i see what you're doing yeah he yeah. plays around he plays around dude he's a good mm-hmm. fisherman i mean that that's the thing like for me i look at it you know and and this is the other side of it is july and august are really kind of my 
my kind of my dead point in the season. You know, like Chris, you have you have two dead points in the season when you first start up and at the end of the season, right? No. Um, well, my, they're slower comparatively than slow, July. I mean, I don't know if it's really because I'm working during the week, the mm. first couple of weeks of June. Um, because when we had the COVID mm. situation, I wasn't teaching my dude. This is the best. My classes started. I had online classes at eleven o'clock. Yeah, dude. For two weeks, I ran charters five to nine in the morning. Came home, taught classes for two hours. Did an afternoon trip from three to seven. It was a great. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> when I had the time, I you weren't thinking I about like, the kids. You weren't thinking about the kids, Christopher. Dude, let me tell you something. <laughs> I taught my ass off during any teacher. Anybody listen to this? I don't care what you say. That COVID situation, you know. Yeah, that's Support sucked. your teachers, man, because that was a really challenging time. A really, really challenging time. And, you know, you had to do it. Anyways, so, anyways, um, I found I was able to book those trips usually no problem at all. Um, I think getting the season started, I would always like to do more schooly trips, mm. like after work and stuff. But the last few years, that schoolie fishing hasn't been what I've been used to, like the 100 fish days. Yeah. You know, so lately I've been doing haddock on the weekends, and um, mostly if I get some calls from customers, we'll get people out there. And do yeah. It. That's how we met. Yeah. Yeah, back in the days when the schoolie yeah. fishing was like just lights out. Actually, we stumbled upon the YouTube video yeah, from our did. trip. Yeah. I didn't even know it existed. Yeah, that was the first one. And what was the first thing I said? Look at those little or tiny no, that was here. That actually, that was not the first trip that you and I went on. What was the first one? The first one was the summer prior to that. Oh, when we were fishing. The open boat. Correct, yeah. We were fishing the mouth. Correct. Were we fishing the mouth? Yep. All right. Yep. The first one that I did, uh, I lost count at 20, uh, 20 keeper size stripers. Oh, yeah. I remember on, that. On remember. live mackerel. Do we have to leave a little early because someone got seasick? Yeah. That's right. Oh, dude. Yeah. That trip was insane. Uh -huh. Yep. Dan, we probably did like. Four drifts and literally had like thirty-five keepers. Yeah, it was it was insane. quadruple hookups nonstop. Yeah, and then some dude got seasick, and I was like, "Bro, yeah. I'm leaving you on the jetties suffer. right now." Yeah, yeah. should have made him suffer. Now dude. we were pretty close, though. We only yeah. had like forty-five minutes left, so yeah, I think it, I think everybody was happy. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely a good trip, definitely a good trip, and that was, he was like, an older gentleman too. Mm. I remember, and he brought his grandson. Yeah, yeah, yep. That's so, right. That was the first one. And um, so, all right, we're pushing two hours, but there's one thing I wanted to go before we talk, before we want to talk about before we go. Yeah. Um, so if anybody listening to this wants to check out Dan, he puts himself out there during the, during the winter months a lot. This is his full-time gig. He's able to go April to December, okay? He does some side work in the winter. Well, your job in the winter, it's yeah. a couple days a week. Yep, two we're days a week. Running the ferries out of Boston. Yep. So you take that other time that you're not doing that, and you really run the gamut in terms of the fishing shows. Yeah. Like, you're at all of them. I try to be, yeah. And, it, which I'm, I hope has been, like, super beneficial to you, because when I first met you, you weren't a charter captain yet. You talked to me, that's what you wanted to do. Because yeah. um, you're young. I keep forgetting how young you are. <laughs> but um, this past season was actually your first year under your charter business. Yes. Prior to that, you spent, what, three years? Three years, yep. Three years working for another guy running his boat. Yep. And the name of your business we haven't even talked about yet is... Ultimate Gamble Charters. And was it Ultimate Gamble because this is it? You're cutting the cord, you're going on your own and dealing with it? Yep. I took the Ultimate Gamble and started my own business. It was also kind of a tip to the hat of um, 
to the old company that I worked for mm-hmm. um, because they were gamble related. Um, I can't say that name on the air, but um, it was a card game and it was a way to win the card game. That was the name of the company. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those things. I wanted people to make the connection. Royal Flush. Gotcha. Yes. No. <laughs> but that's why my logo is. So, that's just so man. Many secrets. <laughs> <laughs> so my roulette, uh, or my logo is actually a roulette wheel with a tatog and a sea bass in it. Yeah. And the reason I did it that way is because all, uh, obviously Ultimate Gamble being the business, mm-hmm. and then what I target. I want people to know when I have that logo out exactly what they're coming for. Because in this industry, and you can speak to it as well, everybody targets stripers. I'm probably one of a handful of boats that does not target stripers at all. You know, that being said, if you're on a trip with me and we run into a school of stripers, I'm not the guy that's going to sit there and go, whoa, 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 guys, these are stripers. We're not staying here. So you only do that with Albies. Yeah, I only did that. <laughs> yeah, we were in a tournament yeah, in my yeah, defense. That must be there was money on the line, Chris. There was money in vain. <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, it's one of those things. I never leave the dock with the intention on targeting stripers. And that's because I would rather not target something that could potentially fall apart in the next in the future Mm -hmm. you know that fishery is not in a real strong point you know it's decent but it's it could be better it certainly could be. yeah just keep letting them swim up this way that's totally that's fine that's fine you You should tell all those guys down there these things are trash no one eats them right everything's gonna die you won't have a business in five years so just stop fishing for them down there for 10 years right you know get the guys in the cape and then you know just, what you know, would take be care really of awesome is if they did shrink their commercial quota in rhode island that yeah would, that would well, actually be. their commercial fishery is a lot different than ours yeah. what is it five fish a day so there's two different commercial fisheries going on well, so you striker, have striker, can you imagine right the prices, no that's though, what i'm saying there's just... two different fisheries oh really okay. yeah so you have the rod and reel and then you have the fish weir the fish weir has a straight percentage Wait. What's a fish weir? So a fish... Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We're at the two-hour mark? Whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying <laughs> it's bedtime, but go ahead. All right. <laughs> you old man. Do tell. Anyway, so a fish weir is basically like a fish trap, but it's it's with... D- depending upon how it is, it's basically a series of nets that form into a pen. So it's... Okay. It's tidal. So depending... And again, there's multiple different types of fish weirs, but the one that I know of... It literally it has this net that runs along, and then it circles into a pen. But there's like gates yeah. that cover three quarters of the entry. So as the tide goes one direction, the fish go in, mm-hmm. and when the tide turns the other way, they try to come out, but they get caught in the gates mm-hmm. unless they hang all the way over to the other side, mm-hmm. and then they get free pass to go back out. Mm-hmm. It's a non non killing method for commercial fishing. Um, and they do that for stripers? They do it for everything. I never knew that. They do it for everything. There is a percentage of the striper quota that is directly just for fish weirs. Is that to cover incidental bycatch of stripers? Or are they targeting stripers with this? No, so I so I, I genuinely believe it's kind of an incidental bycatch, but okay. it's definitely something that it's is... It's like the dragger. It's still, a regular. The dragger still have a quota for cod for their bycatch, like yeah. a small quota. Yeah, but it's not it's not a small quota. If you actually yeah. look at it, so if... Um, I'll see if I can find it real quick. Um, 
Oh, look, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. We haven't heard from you in four hours. Are you okay? <laughs> Dan, do you still love us? Come back. <laughs> yeah. Do you need us to call 911, Dan, to our value customer? It's like the life alert system. Yeah, no, it's Team Lemonade 6040 just for you. (laughs) (laughs) Baby, come back. Rhode Island has a really weird way of looking things up. So while you're looking that up, what's the rod and reel commercial limit? Is it five? Five. Is it every day? Uh, It's every day during the season, yeah. And they just do it till the quota gets filled, like in mass? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, because I know, like... Once the Rhode Island commercial fishery ends, usually like the week later, the commercial price in Massachusetts goes up a little bump. Mm-hmm. Typically, typically. Floating fish oh, yeah, trap that's sector. Saying, if you yeah. close down Rhode Island, it'll be biggest paychecks definitely come after Rhode Island closes. I felt like Rhode Island went pretty long this year too. Yeah, it, it's it's regular though. Yeah, it's regular. It's date regulated. Um, oh, it is. Yeah, it's date regulated. So it's not quota regulated. Cur- it's date regulated. Yeah, it, it's yes. Both. Both. Whatever happens first. Both. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, commercial striped bass management, floating fish trap sector to general category for Rhode Island. Um, basically, um, they're saying they get fifty percent of the quota, and then if it's not caught by September first, uh, then fifty percent of the remaining quota goes to the general category, which is rod and reel. So, so they have 50% of the rod and reel quota? They have, so they 50%, have, they have of, a 50% stake in the game, and unless, if it's not met by September 1st, then it transfers over to the rod and reel. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. 50% of what's left. Yeah, 50% of what's left. So yeah. they share so, it until it closes. And then when does the season close? Uh, season closes December 31st. Oh, wow. So they might, yeah, they're definitely filling the quota. I know they are, because this typically is around September. I don't like that. That doesn't sound good or sustainable. So they really they really haven't filled the quota the last couple of years. Um, I'm sure there's probably really not a lot of guys doing it. Yeah, I mean... It seems like so, kind of an old school type of... So that September rule, um, that's a new thing as of this year. So that being said, prior to that, it was usually in like October that they figured it out. And mm-hmm. by then, the bass were gone. Mm-hmm. So, because you have to remember, so while the fish weir, the floating fish traps, didn't have to adhere to the same size regulations, mm-hmm. the rod and reel guys still need fish over 34 inches in Rhode Island. Yeah. So, in order to get fish over 34, they need to be there. Yeah. In October, they're not they're there. Not there. Mm-hmm. They're not there. You know, there's one, two, maybe. Yeah. Kicking around. But so if they don't make the quota, they're not making the quota. Pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. So now it's now it's they basically have thirty days to make up fifty percent of their quota. Yeah. You know, or twenty five percent of their quota. But interesting. Well I learned something new today. I never knew that even yeah. existed. But the fishing Ultimate expos to get back to Yeah, that. going back. So Ultimate Gamble Charters. Yes. A bunch of fishing expos. Which yes. ones are you hitting? Where can we see you at the booth? All right. So locally, because uh, I do a lot of fishing expos basically from Philadelphia all the way up to here. Um, so I will be at the Boxborough Show in uh, January. Mm-hmm. I will be at the Fishing for a Mission Show, which is in December. I think it's December. Th- Where's that one at? That one's in Wareham. And okay. Black Hole. Black Hole will be there. Al Gags will be there. There's some yeah, real- those are other guys that do a lot of shows. Too. Yeah. Um, so it's December 4th. Um, that one, the Fishing for the Mission? Fishing for the Mission, yep. So, which if you remember, the first tournament that we did, that was also that organization. That was, yeah. yeah. Um, so, which that's, it's a before Christmas fishing expo. 
So I will be running show specials at that show. Um, one of them will be a, uh, a charter that basically you book it with me, the deposit, and um, the deposit won't be due until January. Mm-hmm. So it's no money up front. You give away the trip to whoever you want um, or keep it for yourself. I don't care. But you don't have to pay for it up front, and it's a nice gift to give to people. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I give you a call in January, say, hey, time for the $100 deposit. You send me the $100 deposit, and then the rest of it's paid the day of the trip. Yeah. So. Um, As it, opposed to, like, a gift card. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. As opposed to a gift card. Um, open boats are a little bit different. So I do something that a lot of guys don't do. I do open boats, which is where you pay for your spot. Um those are always paying full at time of booking, typically. Um, right off the bat, not right, day of. Right, can't not, do it. Not day of, can't do it. I I tried doing it with the last company, and it just I got sta- I got I got shafted too many times. I I, did, I used to do it yeah like before, and I got burned like two or three times by people not showing up. Right. And not only am I losing money, right. but then it's like that awkward thing. I think everybody feels awkward about it. Like, oh, fuck, do I got to pay this guy's share? Like, I never make right. anybody pay it, obviously. Right. But it's like, screw that. I need to get paid, too. Right. So, like, I, so last year, I started pulling up more open books, especially for people that were new. Yeah. I mean, definitely before, if I had my regular customers, I'd mm. send out, like, a group tattoo, man, get some openings if anybody wants to come on and split it. Right. So, like, having people pay in full for their spot right up front just takes all the guesswork out of the game oh absolutely and i mean that that's the nice part i mean it's it's simple for me and like i like i tell everybody in the uh because i send you an email when you book i go right in the email i go boat leaves at 7 a.m if you're not there at 7 10 yeah boats yep boats gone i i give you 10 minutes you know Mm -hmm. i give you 10 minutes if you're not there (laughs) but at 10 minutes we're gone Mm -hmm. and guess what I still get your money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you call, we'll talk about it. But it's one of those things that, you know, I can't... That That's the downside to the open boats, is that I can't... I, I've got five other guys that paid for a trip that I can't... I, I can't jip them of time. So, Do you ever get the one guy that comes 45 minutes to an hour early? Uh, yeah. And you're sitting there and like, yeah, well, um, we gotta wait for the other three guys to show up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. Um, I feel like I'd be the 45 minute early guy. So most. Here I am. <laughs> so I tell everybody. I literally in that email, I tell everybody, I go, show up 15 minutes prior to the time. I'm not a party boat. It is not a pick your spot kind of a situation. Yeah. You know, everybody's got the same spot. It's not a, oh, well, I want the bow. I want the stern. I want the left side. I want the right side. No, no. You you, you, you get the boat. You, like, find an, you find an opening. Right. You find your nook. It's small. And that's it's not a party boat. Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. Um, but that being said, I mean, I've got guys that show up an hour and a half before me. Yeah. You know, I've got this one old guy that he's... He's awesome. I love him. He's great. Um, but anyway, he shows up half the time before me, and he'll call me, and he's like, hey, you pick up ice yet? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, well, I'm already here at the boat. You want me to run to the store and grab ice? Sure, if you want to grab ice. Oh, well, what do you want? 30 pounds. Okay, I'll be right back. Gets to the boat. 
Hey, I saw your truck's not here yet. Nope, I'm still about 20 minutes out. Meanwhile, mind you, this is an hour before the trip is supposed to leave. Mm, so 6 a.m. Right. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm like, hmm, okay. He's already there. He's got the ice. So I tell him, I go, well, I mean, if you want to throw the ice in the cooler, I mean, Tyler will be there or whoever my mate is that day. He'll be there in probably about five minutes. So, and I looked at my imaginary watch just so we're all clear. He um, just did that. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be there in about five minutes. So if you want to wait for him, you can wait for him. If not, feel free to go on the boat. I don't care. He's a regular of mine. So it, it's a little bit different. But um, just to touch on that for a minute, because I thought of that. Have you ever done a segment on charter boat etiquette? Actually, I was just going to kind of segue this conversation into that. Yeah. Um, can I give my thoughts on Early yeah. arrivals, at least? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I leave at 5 a.m., okay? I usually get to the boat around 4.30. Oh, actually, hold on. I'm going to pause him for a minute. So just to be clear, I'm the customer of Chris's that shows up either, because I've done both, I either show up an hour early or 20 minutes late. Yep. <laughs> well, you're coming from a long way, yeah. too. You're coming from, <laughs> you know, an hour and a half, two hours away. So I, I get that. And, you know... You make me laugh, so yeah, I, I, can, I can deal with you. Make me laugh, funny Listen, man. Chirp, chirp, chirp. <laughs> make me a clown. Uh, oh, I got another one. Dan doesn't it. get the joke because he doesn't. Dan Smith yeah. here doesn't watch any movies that we watch. You cannot movie quote with him. That's the one downfall of you, Dan. Ah. All right. So, anyways, my charter etiquette. Yes. Okay. Uh, my my trip leaves at five o'clock. Get down there like a quarter of, okay? Do your little shit thing, like your shindig up in the parking lot where you all got to get out and stretch your boy. Oh, boy, it's a big day. Let's get the coolers and stuff out. Go get take your Dunkin' Donuts bag. Get, get your Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> ready. And cheese and take your croissant. piss, okay? Come on down, all right? Come on down. And you're going to say, hey, guys, how's it going? I'm Chris, Dan, Dan, Mike, John. All right, cool. Hop on the boat. Life jacket's there. This, 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 this. Any questions? Let's go. You know? Then we'll talk on the way out. And But, like, my rush to get off the dock and mm. just, like, kind of set the tone, like, we're hustling today. This isn't... The way I fish with my stripers, it's not most of the time you're lazy, anchor up, put a line in the water, and, like, have a beer. <laughs> nope. Nope. You're going to be engaged. You're going to be active. You're going to be holding rods. You're going to be up and over going underneath you're going to be casting around moving around the boat so you know and that's kind of how i am too like i'm like all right guys everyone's here it's 501 my internal clock i am the oh dude i get so worked up about time and being on time so it's like if i'm at my boat and it's like 455 i'm like i don't see anybody yet you know i get, mm -hmm. I get like anxious but um so yeah. I'm, I'm i'm just gonna backtrack you for a second but so sometimes you're your own worst enemy with that though I know. I agree. Because, do you know where I'm going with this? I have no idea. So sometimes Chris goes too fast when he's coming off the dock and leaves some very important things on the dock. No, okay. <laughs> so one time we were going to go out shark or tuna fishing. And I took... One time? Wait a second. Wait a second. This happened two years in a row. No, it didn't. Yes, it did. No, no. you said that. You said that. It never happened the it first did. time. It did. It did. You also told me that I put... 
fuel in my fucking uh, rod holder. You did. I did you not. You put the nozzle Dan. in the rod holder. Dan, I did not. I'm well aware. I'm well aware that I did not do that. I, I will fight that. I don't like confrontation, Dan, but I will fight you to the day I die about this. <laughs> So anyway, so when was, this, when was the first time? I remember that time. That time sucked. So So the first time was, was when we were haddock fishing, and we had to take a bunch of 8-ounce sinkers and tie them together. Well, I think that's fine. I think um, I think what happened was I didn't forget anything. I think we just lost a few. You oh, no, no, no. We were, shark, we were shark fishing. We that's were shark fishing. We were shark fishing, and I, at that time, I don't think I was running haddock trips. Mm. So I probably didn't have a lot of 16s. Yeah. So we probably just threw a, a tide, probably picked up. We had a fast Well, no, because you, you stopped at the shop in the morning and you left the bag in your passenger seat. All right, so that's probably what it was. So you had a few, but yeah. once those disappeared, which we'll they went stop on hanging the shark. bottom, you dick. <laughs> those went on the shark rods. <laughs> yeah, we needed them. Right. So, you know. Hey, I mean, how much did we crush sharks, though? <laughs> I mean, yeah. They only like, chased tuna around that day. Yeah, we did. Yeah. That, that was good. That was a good day. But also, so the next year, we literally went, and it, and meanwhile, it was very, very sloppy. It was very sloppy seas. But, um, and it's, and just to be clear, it was one of those days that he probably wouldn't have ran if it was any other crew. My crew's very seaworthy crew. Um, they're literally all boat guys so with that i had my mate with me that day from my from my operation so we went out and we went out to go tuna fishing and we went out as far as we could he set the spot lock and went running around the boat going where's where where is it and i go where's what and he goes the bucket of lead and he go and i go oh the one you left back at the dock and he goes i did not there's no way. Dude, that bucket of lead sat in the corner of my boat for like three years. Yep. And I was getting like a little ring of shit around it. The day before, I picked it off, put it on the dock, and cleaned that area. And I'm a creature of habit, dude. You know <laughs> what I mean? I'm so used to things. And we left the dock. I didn't even cross my mind. And it, it took us probably about 50 minutes to go six miles. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't have the weights. Yep. So we turned back in, and I stopped at CFP, Captain's Fishing Parties, grabbed a bunch of weights there, and we went right back out. And then we were like, this sucks. Let's go catch bluefish. Yep. <laughs> that was yep. the trip. And then we went and caught some gator blues. Yeah. Which, yeah. that was good. Yeah, we were actually kind of hammering them there for a little bit. It was yeah. fun. And that was the time when, that was two years ago, yeah. I believe. So that yep. was like the first time bluefish started showing up again right. in our area for like the first time in a while yeah and that was the very beginning mm. of like kind of getting into them so that was cool now i'm also gonna backtrack to i think it was the first shark year mm -hmm. so there was the first shark year which by the way both gentlemen that are in front of me have been on just about every shark trip like true shark trip yeah because they would mate with me yeah come, yep. not mate with me <laughs> 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 so anyway, full plumage. <laughs> so anyway, so um, I'm just gonna say this. Dan also saved my brother from going over the side twice. <laughs> twice. <laughs> Literally, my brother sat there. He slipped. I don't know how. He's he's yeah. 
Anyway, so he had a rough time with the harness. Yeah. Which, by the way, he inspired me. I don't fish harnesses with clients anymore because of him. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's that. But literally, like, all you saw was like this He-Man of Dan just grab the back of him and go, "No, you don't." <laughs> yeah. Don't oh, literally said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, anyway, man. and meanwhile, he would have fallen right into the chum bucket that had two other sharks on it at the same time. <laughs> so we were sitting there. But anyway, so back to the other side of it. Um, what was I saying? I was saying some. it's one of those days. Um, Shark fishing, your brother dying, <laughs> the tuna conjugating. Nope, nope. There was something else. Oh, yeah. So... Chris, let me just say, so I have looked back at... When did this turn into the shit on Chris? So, so, <laughs> Go ahead, motherfucker. <laughs> hey, you know... It, I'm just kidding. Go literally, ahead. so just to be clear, Chris is one of the reasons I got into charter fishing as well, is because I saw how professional and how good a true charter captain can actually be. Um, that's why I still charter with him every year. Because literally he is one of my mentors in this industry and it is appreciated um i appreciate that thank you you're welcome but but also so instead of kissing ass <laughs> no so I, instead of kissing ass so I'm, I'm, i believe he's about to fuck me right now so. i am not but anyway so <laughs> oh man so literally my one of my best friends brian he was on the boat that uh, yeah, one day, right. yeah. and he was into a shark for a solid, I don't know, twenty minutes or so. And I always bring Mountain Dew on the boat. So this was when Dew SA was a thing, and Chris hadn't tried Dew SA yet. So literally, I opened up the cooler and I grabbed one, and I open it up and I start drinking it. He goes, "Dude, what is that?" And I go, "It's Dew SA. You want one?" He's like, "Yeah." So I go into the cooler, I grab one, and he literally, without even thinking about it, he just looks at it sideways. Looks at Brian, goes, boy, that looks exhausting. Cracks it open, <laughs> starts drinking it, and goes, ah, that's better. <laughs> I love, 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 love watching people just grimacing like, oh, it is funny. Sweating, swearing. Well, here's the thing with that, right? Like when you shark fish, you know, it's obviously a, it's a big, it's a big ass fish, dude. Yeah. It's a two hundred, so, three hundred pound yeah, fish, yeah. dude. I, people who don't do it don't realize, right? That the, yeah, that's then. Well, that's just it. If you don't do it, it's almost like you use every muscle in your body mm. when you're bringing it in. Oh, but yeah. if you have experience in it, you know which muscles to use. Yeah. So it's like you could do it all day if you know what you're doing, but. One shark and smoke somebody if they've never done it before. Yeah. I had three trips this year. We came home an hour early because everyone was like, dude, we caught like over a dozen on each one. And yeah. They were just like, dude, enough, enough. I can't do this anymore. Well, especially like, then there's so many variables too. Like, if there is a little bit of chop and the boat's rocking, mm. you know, that's another variable that yeah. you have to deal with and you're fighting the fish. Mm -hmm. And if you've never done it before, then you have it going through your head. I don't want to fall out of the boat. I don't want to lose this guy's rod and reel because it's probably wicked expensive. And I don't want to fall out of the boat. And it's a shock, and it can bite my hand off. And number one on that list is I don't want to lose this guy's expensive rod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I'll sit there, right? People will be grievous and be like, oh, my God. Oh, oh. I go, just remember, you're paying me for this. <laughs> this is what you asked for. <laughs> so I will say this. Every time I've done a shark trip with Chris, though. They're fun. You've caught sharks. I've caught sharks, yes. 
I always get the bitch. What do you mean, the little one? I always get the bitch shark. No, it was the little one. Like they were. The oh, ones. so you know what we do now? Well, no. Even even like with the big sharks, fish yeah. them, fish them like they drag, literally, it, makes it literally just came right in. Yeah, that's the one thing about blue sharks too. Is like, and I will say this year was really fun. Oh, yeah, they were say, really tugged they, they were actually mm. really riled up this yeah, year. Yeah, it was fun. It was it was really <laughs> fun. But there was a little stretch there. Some of those bigger ones. They like, snapped a rod this year. Yeah. Wow. Fishing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, because I was too powerful. Ah, I was like, I should have let the drag do the work. He, was, yeah. he almost flipped he it into man. the boat, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, they definitely, each one has a different attitude, for sure. Mm. For sure. And it's crazy. Sometimes, like, you might fight it and it'll just be that dead weight. And you're like, oh, I'm like sitting there, Jesus Christ, make a run. Please, just make a goddamn run. One run. <laughs> and they won't. And it's like... They'll come up to the boat. I'll be like, oh, no, 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 you're not done. I'll just pull on the leader, keep pissing yeah. off a little bit. I go, all right, now we'll start. See you in a half hour. <laughs> but what we started doing, I started taking my haddock rods, my torium 20s and 16s, on yeah. like ugly sick jigging rods, and we're pitching those to any sharks that come up that are like 150 or under, and it is a riot. It's awesome. It's so much fun. It totally changes everything about that yeah and then so, doing that actually too then it goes to even like like i have the 50 my 50 narrow yeah. setups uh fighting them stand up and don't even use don't use a belt or a harness either yeah. nothing just yeah. yeah fighting them true stand up with the with the dicks the dick saver, the dick saver. The, just throw the yeah. pad <laughs> the pad they just put a pad on the gimbal so it doesn't gouge yeah. into your pelvis you know yeah, yeah. i just i mean this year between yeah. the dick saver thing and just using the plate instead of the harness yeah well the I, narrow I just reel back my drags like, off the narrow reel yeah. makes a difference because it doesn't have that rock in it that like wobble. A, yeah the wall 100 mm. percent. so so I'm just going to touch on this for a minute, too. Okay. The broken rod. Your broken rod. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. It went that. a little yeah. too light on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, Dan brings this rod out. Oh, this is great. I'll I get know, you in you touch with really the guy who makes it. Rod this like rod it. catches everything. I want to catch a shark on it today. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> for the record, I did catch a shark on it. You did. You did. I landed it. The second it. one, though. The second one... The rod snapped, and half of it went into my best friend Brian's head. Yeah, yeah, and the other half went into my face, too, if you remember. I don't remember that. Yeah, but. yeah. You slammed the hook home, and I just saw the rod bend, and then the tip kept going, and the back part just came right up. <laughs> Great rod, Dan. Hey, it landed the first one. And the rest is history. Yeah, what was the reel on that? That was a little reel you had on there, too. Yeah, that was an Ancient Mariner ancient combo. Ancient Mariner combo. Ancient Mariner, right? yep. So, slow-pitch jigging rod, which I still uh -huh. use for tog fishing. Um, what, the the first half or the second half of it? <laughs> <laughs> hey. I see what you did there. Zing! That's <laughs> uh, uh, awesome. So, all right, real quick. we got to wrap this up. It's, it's Chris's bedtime. Um, so, shows. Just go through the list. You got... Yeah, so I've got the box... All right, so starting in December, I've got the Fishing for a Mission one down in Massachusetts. Um, I've got the uh, Boxborough show at the end of January. I'm doing the Greater Philadelphia show, which is in February. Um, I'm doing, uh, there's a show that I'm doing in New Jersey um, in February as well. I'm blanking on the date. I don't have the schedule in front of me. The Rhode Island show, I will be there. Marissa? Um, Marissa. Are you getting a booth? Uh, most likely, I'm 90% sure I'm going to be reaching out to Greg this week. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've also got um, 
uh, Mohegan Sun that I'm I'm investigating, mm-hmm. and then I'm also looking at uh, Suffern, New York, Ward Melville High School, which is really cool. That's the one that those high school kids yeah, started that, a few years ago, right? Yeah, that's so really neat. That, that's really cool. So I did that one last year, um, and that one was fantastic. They put probably five to six thousand people through the door in one day no kidding it, it's wow. a it's literally it's a free fishing expo for people who show up it's on long island mm-hmm. um and all the vendors are there it's the same weekend as the suffer in new york show which that's the part that makes it difficult because the suffer in new york show is a big show but it's mostly a freshwater show so i'm trying to get my guys from the hampstead harbor anglers club yeah which is another show that i do on long island I'm trying to get them to do the Sunday because Ward Melville's on the Saturday. Perfect. So that way I just go to I go to New York, I set up there Saturday, set up there Sunday, go home. Mm-hmm. But um, also last year after the Ward Melville show, if nobody if if you ever get the chance to go to the Long Island Aquarium, do it. It is amazing. Really? Yeah. Cool. So they have an estuary setup, which mm-hmm. is all native species to what we have in southern New England. They have Tatog, they have Fluke, they have literally all of them in an estuarian setup, and you can feed them. Oh, really? Yeah. You feed them crabs? You feed them whatever they give you. Yeah. So, like, they give you spearing, they give you a bunch of spearing. Do they give you crabs? No, they don't give you crabs. <laughs> they don't give you crabs, Chris. You have to go to Providence for that. <laughs> or, I mean, up here, you could probably get away with going to Boston somewhere. We are in Haverhill. <laughs> oh, well, look at that. Could probably go there, too. Could go outside. Oh, look at that. So, yeah, that's... Um, that's more or less what my show season looks like. Um, I will be putting a full pay, uh, full post up on my Facebook page, on Ultimate Gamble Charters uh, Facebook page, which that will have a full list of the shows and events that I'll be at. So feel free to take a look at that. So guys, if you go to one of those guys that transit these shows, especially for the local guys up here, that's the Boxborough show. Probably. Yep. Are you doing the... Is he doing the New Hampshire one again? He he is doing the New Hampshire show. I am not. You're not. Um, it's not. It, it unfortunately scheduling wise and uh, financially, mm-hmm. there's just not enough of a draw for me. Yeah. Um, you know, like I like we touched upon earlier, a lot of my guys are coming from New York and New Jersey. Yeah. It's um, you know, it's a different fishery up here. You guys have a great ground fish fishery with the haddock mm-hmm. um, and the pollock and the redfish. Mm-hmm. So with that. You guys don't, you know, you don't have to go far for a ground fish fishery. The guys from New York and New Jersey, they don't have that luxury. Yeah. There is no ground fish fishery there. Yeah. You know, they go out and if you get two fish for the day, they're like, oh, my God, this is great. Yeah. Like, that's the genuine, that's the genuine take on it. All right. Well, Dan, thank you for coming tonight. Thank yeah, you for thanks having for coming me. out, Dan. We had thanks a great for having time. Me. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Lots we, of laughs. We touched a lot of yeah. topics, had a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And if you guys happen to see Dan at the show, bring him a bag of Chicka filet maybe some 16 ounce yeah. weights. And uh, <laughs> and maybe you'll get a free trip out of it. So, <laughs> Ultimate Gamble Trotters, Captain of the Not Telling. <laughs> Captain of Not Telling. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right, fellas. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Thanks Have for a good listening. Night. Out.